Blog Talk Radio. program with Cal and Sam Pete coming to you live. All right, I lost it already. Hi. Hello there. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, episode number 3.25, coming to you live on Thursday, June the 28th, 2012, live from Bayside, live from Comac, New York, live from Freehold, New Jersey. And the reason I opened the show in that idiotic way, not idiotic, symbolic, uh, iconic, other icks is be a <laughs> laconic, uh, <laughs> melancholic, colic is because it's the 25th anniversary of WFAN this weekend, July the 1st, 1987. They went on the air. We're going to talk about that in the fun load later. The reason that we're probably here, the reason that Cal and I probably do this podcast and have been doing this podcast for two and a half years is WFAN. So we would be idiots. What jerks? What kind of jerks uh, would not acknowledge the fact that WFAN uh, is celebrating its 25th anniversary? We're going to talk about that later. That, of course, was a terrible impression of uh, Mr. Christopher Mad Dog Russo. So we're going to talk uh, FAN later. Let's, uh, let's, let's do this. Let's bring in uh, the co-host. I promised him intro music. I'm doing intro music. Here he is, my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner in all things that rhyme with time, Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino Caliente. Hello, Brian. Is the Swami your new co-host? No. The Swami's music. Is it? Is it just? Is it, we can't change it over. We can. I just got confused. No, this is I usually thought, the Swami's intro. I thought I had been replaced. <laughs> uh, welcome to the big show, Cal. I wanted to do some sort of intro music for you. It's a special show. I want to produce the hell out of it because uh, it is sort of a special show. Twenty-five years of WFAN, and uh, I can't speak for you. Sure. Can. No, I'm not gonna because you're right here. I allow you to. I, I will not act as your proxy. Have you ever been somebody's proxy? Uh, no. Sounds kind of cool, right? It is cool. I think it would turn into a pain in the ass, though. 
You know, when my sister uh, baptized her, her kid, my my brother-in-law was in Iraq at the time. Wow. Fighting for the, for the, for the military. And somebody, I, I don't remember who it was, but had to stand in for him as a proxy, as the, as the father of the wow. Yeah. So, okay. so I, I've been around a proxy. A number of things going on here. Number one, I had no idea your brother-in-law was uh, overseas uh, and was in the service fighting. I had oh, no yeah. idea. For a year. Um, most recently, he was named Rockville Center Police Officer of the Month. So, nice. quite the celebrity. Right. Well, that also indicates, uh, congratulations, by the way, small dignified ceremony uh, of the month, not of the year. No, the, the month. So you have a, a, May. a bunch of collars over there and break up a bunch of parties? What did just you do? Just one, one. Just one significant one. Chase, chase down a perp. Wow. Um, Listen to you with the lingo, too. Oh, yeah. No, we were, we were very proud of him. It was a woman with a restraining order against a guy, and, and the guy violated the restraining order, and he had to... He had to Foot it, nice. Hoof it, yeah. Chase them down, down on foot. Yeah, nice little write up on the Rockville Center Patch dot com. We have the Bayside Patch here, by the way. Yeah, they, every every community's got a patch. I love it. Um, yeah. Congratulations, we're we're making light, but that's amazing. I had oh, no. no idea that he had served uh, overseas. Thank him next time you see him for a service. Thank him for me. We we always PJ do. PJ not so much. No, no, no. Um, and, uh, but then he had a proxy. First of all, they ain't going to let you do that. No. Like, I'm not man enough to be the proxy for a guy fighting a war in Afghanistan. No. No one's, no one's, I, I know my limitations. I mean, I could be like proxy if like a guy was shooting a movie, you know, and he couldn't make his son's or his daughter's baptism. I, then I'm the proxy for you. He's uh, he's in Kauai shooting a Tropic Thunder two. <laughs> he can't can't be here. I'll stand in for him. I I th- then I'm a proxy for a uh, national hero who serves in the armed forces. Not so much. Anyway, uh, wow, I've never been a proxy. I know PJ has probably been a proxy a number of times. I would imagine so. You know what? I always think of too, Cal, with the. We got a big show, by the way. Lots to talk about. We'll get to it. But you know what I always think of with the proxy is the uh, love by proxy. No, what what is that you speak I, of? It's in a Rick Springfield song. Come on, shut up. <laughs> it is. Shut up. And that's what I always think of when I hear Come the word proxy. I'm serious. We're playing around. I don't know, but I it, it does sound familiar. Love by proxy. Yeah. Accepting the award for the worst lyrics. In a 1980s song, the nominees are. <laughs> and now, <laughs> Rat, Round and Round. How do you know it's a 1980s? Oh, I said Rick Springfield. That's you why. said Rick Springfield. Oh, well, has he done anything lately that I missed? <laughs> oh, boy. I always, I always think, what of, think of uh, Super Dave Osborne as the surrogate in uh, Arrested Development. Punkfire. <laughs> as George Sr.'s surrogate. <laughs> The camera and the hat on. The Dave Osborne, by the way, tremendously underrated. Uh, he was great. He he is great, Doctor Funkhauser. Yeah. On uh, on Curb, I, I'm just so pleased he's had that success. Did you ever watch Bizarre? What was it, Bizarro? John Biner. Bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah. 
You watch that, right? Why do I want to say Channel 9? Maybe. Showtime. Well, Showtime, but I didn't have Showtime, Cal. We were poor. I don't know what yeah. the rich the rich people over on Shelter Lane were doing. Uh, Shelbourne. 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 Who was on Shelter? I don't know. We had a box. My father came, came upon a box. Were you 16, Shelbourne? 16. Close. 16, Shelbourne. <laughs> you, you could go over there right now. Go see Ralph. Yeah, he's probably... He, he, <laughs> you sure ain't listening, I'll tell you that much. No. No, he wouldn't be listening to the radio program. Why would he? By the way, uh, it's it's from the cutting cruise, I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight. She's loving by proxy. You give an all take. So serious. She's loving by proxy. No giving all take. That's it. So that's why I think of proxy. And now the award for most out of place use of proxy in a popular song from the 1980s. The nominees are The Cutting Crew. Cutting Crew. Uh, and then there's the picture of them, like, in the audience, like, hoping for the award. Actually, it's a picture of, it's just a still photo of them, because they couldn't make it that <laughs> night. They couldn't make it, that's right. Because they're, uh, they're they're playing Westbury Music Fair. They're playing West... <laughs> they're opening for Sister Shakedown. They're opening for Ario Speedwagon at City Field. That's a big show. Do you think if Cutting Crew is still out there, they could get OMD to open up? And play If You Leave 37 times. <laughs> you know who loves that song? Oof, uh, who loves that song? My wife. Might be, her favorite, might be her favorite song ever. I figured. That's a sweet spot. So that's a, that's p- Pretty in Pink, right? Oh, yeah. Or no, it's in... Uh, yeah, no. Pretty in Pink. Is it 16 Candles? No. Later. Wow, you got very John Hughes offended there. No, that's because I can see the, I can see the the scene in the movie. Pretty in pink. That's a terrible song. That song is terrible. Is that psychedelic furs? Yes. You know whose you know whose head is probably ready to explode right now with everything we've talked about in the last five minutes. Let's bring it. This is just mean what we're doing. Our producer. Yeah. This is just this is literally oh, what we here. What we're doing right now. Literally. Let's bring the guy in. His head is probably ready to explode. Listen, it's ten minutes late. I hope he's not doctoring the time sheet. Yeah, he he did. He let us know he was going to be ten minutes late tonight. And uh, Cal wants you to know you don't get paid for those ten minutes. By the way, cut it out. You do not get paid for those ten minutes. Hi, Peach. Am I on? <laughs> you're you're on. You have no computer. No. No, I dropped my I dropped my laptop on its screen, and it died in my arms tonight. Oh, look what he did! Somebody's been on hold. It just just died in your arms tonight. Pretty in pink. Is that the psychedelic furs? Isn't she pretty in pink? They like themselves so much that they remade that song, even though no one asked them to. <laughs> they put it out twice. Now two of us have done our impression of the psychedelic first. Cal, you're up. Pretty in pink. I can't do it. Very good. Very you know, nice. You know uh, what's great about that? That's one of those songs that, like, 
you we used to say this. Remember that song, 16 Candles Down the Drain? Yeah. 16 candles down the drain. Like they're, and the guy was like trying to prove how British he is. <laughs> like the second line of that was always to me, we're so British, it's insane. 16 candles down the drain. Like that's the pretty in pink to me. Pretty in pink. The kick is they're probably from like Dallas. Psychedelic fur. No. Are they no, British? They better from. be. They better be British. I'll look them up when I get a computer. Pretty in pink. Well, obviously. So British, British in here, isn't it British? Don't you feel British? Let's make sure everybody knows we're completely British. That one ain't more mistaken us for somebody from uh, like South Dakota or something. Right. Um, yeah, they're English. Yeah, oh, they're English. Uh, was OMD English? Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark? Yeah. Oh. I don't think they were. No? Peach? They were. OMG? Peach? Yeah. Yeah, they but were. You're without a computer. We're actually testing your pop culture knowledge here. OMD might be like one of the first five British synth pop groups. <laughs> one of the first? Like, yeah, like the first one. That when, when someone invented the term uh, British synth pop. Right. Like somebody should have got beat it up. It was because of OMD. And 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 uh, you know, Joy Division and uh, New Order, all those oh. wankers. <laughs> wankers, way to good 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 job, way to bring it back, again. You just Johnny uh, ties it together tonight. Will will you have a computer at some point this evening? What does it matter? It he doesn't, doesn't matter. Need, he doesn't need one. You don't need one. You're that talented. I understand that. You could produce this show uh, from your driveway. I can do all the sound cues with my mouth. With your mind. <laughs> I could just make everybody think they're hearing the subway. That's correct. Uh, By the well, way, he... funny, funniest line last week. What? Does this train go to the IRT? <laughs> or does, no, does the IRT go to the COPA? Does the That's IRT funny. go to the COPA? Can I take the, the IRT, IRT go to the COPA? COPA? That was, that was it, was, it was a funny little show last week. Funny little show. Good stuff. Uh, Peach, we're going to talk about WFAN later. I know you're a huge fan. Um, that's on the radio, right? That's correct. Well, you I'll, I'll, be glad, I'll be glad to listen. I'll tell you my proxy story later. You could, You have one? I was a proxy. Nice. Of course you were. Nice. We, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that because we want to get into the... Uh, this controversial catch. Did you see this catch the other night that was supposedly a catch but not really a catch, Peach? Yeah. That wasn't In the a Yankee catch. game? What happened, what happened to your voice? What happened, Jay Leno? What happened to your voice? Yeah. Jibby, <laughs> jibby, jibby. Yeah. Jibby, jibby. No, yeah. That was sneaky. That was a sneaky Pete he tried right there. I, I. We're about to get into it. It's time for the big unload. So let's play more. Let's play more '80s music while we're here. Why can I never find this, Peach? I blame you. What, what are you looking for? Who can it be now? There's, no. Who can it be now? No, I'm looking for this. I think he made it even further. Oh my God! Time for the big unload. That means big country. 
Everybody knows that. It's science. That's my left ear. Was that too loud? Dude. No, it wasn't. It was not the uh, it's time for the big... That's, that's the big unload. We're going to talk about this this catch. It's not this guy's fault, Peach. What was he supposed to do? Get there faster. <laughs> oh, can you hear that, boys? Uh, you probably can't hear it. The, uh, the, the, the quarter to ten uh, ice cream man is out again in my neighborhood. Oh, right. It must be summertime in Bayside. Yeah. Summertime in Bayside. The quarter to ten ice cream man. He's a little early, actually. Usually comes around at ten oh five. Give me a chip witch and a dime bag. <laughs> That's correct. That's exactly right. Something tells me this summer he's not selling ice cream either. I just love the chutzpah that he has to actually sound the bells at a quarter to ten when he's clearly selling drugs. Clearly. Well, I told you, last time you brought this up, I told you my neighbor cuts his lawn at ten o'clock at night. Well, but that's just crazy. This guy's making a living. You know what I mean? I mean, albeit yeah. Illegal. No, my guy makes no money. He just he just likes to show off that he's got the whole light bar on his uh, rider mower. That's <laughs> just I weird. can cut my lawn in the dark. When he's out there naked, one of these times, please call the authorities. Well, no. What he what he wears is <laughs> is the one piece jumpsuit. No. Yeah. Incorrect. As, you know, as, as if he was you know an auto mechanic or something. You know. So he he looks like the uh, the Wilson brothers at the end of Bottle Rocket. Is that it? It's all blue, in, in the orange jumpsuits. It's got it's got a name on it. I don't think it's his name. <laughs> it's got something sewn into Come it. Come on. And no, that's his that's his uh, his yard work uniform. He doesn't go out there in shorts and a t shirt. Wow. He wears the uni. Ten o'clock at night in a uh, overalls. Ten o'clock at night, if he's being considerate. I mean, it usually goes much, much later. He sounds like a good guy. And then, he, and, then and then he parks. Then he parks it, and he points the headlights at a you know a certain area, and then he takes out the weed whacker and he starts weed whacking by the light of his headlights. Of the, of the headlights from the riding mower. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Clearly, this guy has some problems. <laughs> he's a trip. Again, if you go out there one night and he's naked and he's standing on it and like he's standing on the seat, super nice guy. I feel bad, no, because and and you know I killed his cat. Oh boy! I accident I accidentally killed his cat on his fiftieth birthday. <laughs> on Come purpose? On, I, had, I had to have told you this. On purpose? Do the do the do the big unload. We'll come back. <laughs> you tell us all about your cat aside. I will tell you all about it. On the man's birthday. On the man's birthday. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm a neighbor that really, you know. Yeah, you're, oh, you're a good one. All right. We'll, we'll get back to that story. Teaser. That's okay. Uh, so, <laughs> thank you, Bishop Pop Culture PJ. Killing cats. Go over there and... <laughs> uh, I'm reminded of uh, my one of my favorite family ties lines of all time, Cal. Uh, we're gonna get to the big. We're gonna get to the big unload in a second, but it always ma- makes me laugh. The uh, there's like this little tough guy that Jennifer is dating or whatever, and uh, and Alex doesn't like it or whatever, and uh, the kid's like got like the tough attitude or whatever. 
he says something, you know, he comes in the back kitchen door and he says something like really tough or whatever. And Alex goes, geez, kid, did you kick any puppies on your way over here? And the kid goes, couple. (laughs) Whoever this kid was, it was perfect comedic timing. It's perfect. Kick any puppies on your way over here? Couple. (laughs) So PJ kills cats. On uh, anyway, big unload. Cal, we we saw this play. I know it was a couple of days ago, but I wanted to bring it up. Uh, we could talk about the Subway Series. We could talk about the Mets losing four in a row, and then you know, just we'll talk about that later. Just when you're about to give up on them, they come out. They come out and say, "Hey, check me out with a 17 run effort." But what do you make of this? This whole thing with Dwayne Wise and the umpiring. We've been seeing this season. And by the way, I didn't I didn't hear any calls for them to uh protest the Yankee game. I didn't hear any Yankee fans uh you know uh, talking about how uh they should overturn it. They should put an asterisk next to that game. You know, and I know it's a, it's different, but it's a missed umpire's call. Period. This one is ridiculously egregious. No. And and well, See, I, I, it's so easy for me to just go the the route of well, the Yankees, the Yankee fans just laughing it up. It's good to be a Yankee. Look at us, you know. But I'm not going to do that. Well, don't because and, and and I want to too, but I'm not going to. My question to you is, what can they? Where where do we stand on replay, Bry? I mean, I, where do well, we stand on it? I mean, I'm this not, brings it up again. Where do we stand on replay? Where do, what do you mean? Where do we stand or where yeah, do Yeah, where do we stand? No, where do we stand, you and me, together, you and I, where do we stand on instant replay in baseball? Because we've seen this a number of times with the local teams this season. Is it, uh, Joe Girardi suggested a challenge system. Where That's you would, ridiculous. You, That's patently ridiculous. Well, great. Let's start there. Why is that patently ridiculous? Because I'm not sure it is. I think it's ridiculous because what what's the penalty – if you do not get the challenge right, like in you football, lose a timeout. Yeah. <laughs> who do, who did I hear? I'm I'm stealing this from someone too. I don't want to take credit for it, but I was I heard somebody talking about this, and and it was a great point. There's got to be some sort of, of of consequence for challenging and losing. Why? Well, because then you can challenge you know you can challenge as much as you want. Oh, what you get one challenge a game. Okay, so you use it. And no, I, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't win that challenge. What, what have I lost? Nothing. There's no, got to be. There's got to be like, like there has to be an incentive for you, or or a not an incentive, but the opposite, a a, a repercussion should you, make to make you think twice about using that challenge. But why though? I, see, I understand the repercussions in football. I understand that there has to be some sort of repercussion in football because you get to. You can use them at any time in the game, and you can use them strategically. I'm saying, in a, in, and and there's a long list of things that you can challenge and stuff like that. If you only have the challenge flag for certain things, you might not even use it in a game. It may never come up. Like, I'm not talking about a challenge flag for balls and strikes or something like something ridiculous. You know, I would say fair or foul. But see, my my solution to that is a fifth guy. But they, 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 they don't even have guy. But they will. don't have. Okay, interesting. I was going to say a fifth guy in the field makes no sense. No, no, 
no, not on the field, but a guy in the booth, uh, a replay official who would be part of the crew, part of the rotating crew. Without a challenge. Without a challenge. But And so every fair or foul is going to be reviewed? Not every one. Not every one. I think it's got to be if the umpires are get together on a call. Kind of like the way they do with the home run right now. And he can, he or she, again, let's be he, equal opportunity. He, he or she can signal can, down. Yes. Maybe the crew chief has a buzzer. Exactly. A beeper. Yeah, like a like you're at Outback and you're waiting a for pager, a pager. Right. That's right. Like in the shape of a clicker, like a balls and strike clicker. Right. Or it could be in the shape of like a home plate. Something fun. Do something fun with it. Something kitschy, I think, would be perfect. It could be like a Hello Kitty. It could be right. something fun. Have fun with it. <laughs> Just starts lighting up and dancing. We could get sponsors for it. Ooh. You know, the Chevy uh, Instant Replay Clicker. Not I mean, th- think with me here. I know, I'm trying. Can we, can we sponsor the fifth umpire? The fifth umpire brought to you by uh, <laughs> Sharp, where things are clearer? Exactly. I don't know. Heineken's fifth umpire. No, I, I see now. All right, you're making that, that, you're making that, sense. That's what that's what I would like to see. I'd like to see somebody with access to to the video, with the like, ability to uh, to call down and and correct anything egregious. We're talking egregious now. I don't want this person to be responsible for correcting every single play that is wrong. Well, Everyone, now, now I mean, wait, now wait. I you you had me there. I love your ideas. I'd love a pamphlet if you have one. Um, but you have to have a set list of what they can review and what they can't. Well, fair and foul for sure. Okay. Um, catches in the stands, I would catches, say. Catches in the catches. Catches at all? Shoestring catches. Catches. Okay. Here's where here's where I think okay that's fine so not definitely not balls and strikes what about uh, close play at first base again you can't you can't have one without the other though Bri that's where you start getting into trouble no, you're right you're right I I, I feel how, like I'm, you, I want to how do you leave that up to human error or human well, what, you know right. the human element right you know I and then what about a stolen base at second base. Now every tag play is looked at. And and you're going to have umpires being... See, here's one of the quintessential problems with any sort of instant replay in baseball is that the human element has been part of it for a long time, but these uh, guys, because there are no female umpires uh, right now in the major leagues, right, uh, are, have been infallible for years. They don't like being – for 100 years, they've been infallible. They don't like being overruled. They don't like to, quote, unquote, call a game in fear that they're going to make a mistake. Okay? I think this is something that football referees and officials have had to get over, frankly. I don't – you know, you can't say to an umpire, we're going to look at every close play at first base. And if you get it wrong, we're going to overrule you. Because then, then you know, first of all, 
what does it do to their job? You know what I mean? Like, why bother training really hard? Or why well, bother, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, I, if I get it wrong, they're just going to get it right upstairs. Well, here's 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 the part of that, which is, you know, it's not really a solution with replay, but it's an alternate solution which could weed out some of the of the poor performing umpires. Right. Make them, make them accountable. That's have it fair. Al- have it almost like a report card where after the game you get reviewed on your calls. And if and if you miss, you know, 5% of your calls or whatever, you, you set some sort of threshold of an acceptable level of That's mistakes, fair. of mm-hmm. errors. And at the end of the year, you get evaluated. It's, you know, just like any job, any job that, that anybody has, they have a performance appraisal, an evaluation every year on, on your performance. And I think the umpires need to be held accountable so that if, you know, and, and toss in the ejections too. Toss in the way that, you know, the behavior of some of these umpires. And you know what? Do it across the board. A 25-year 25 25 year vet who thinks that he, you know, he's got seniority and tenure and can do whatever he wants should be held to the same standards as a, as a, as a rookie ump who's been in the league for two or three years. You know? And this way here, what you, could, what you will eventually do is weed out the umpires that are consistently making the most mistakes, the most confrontational of the group, you weed them out, you replace them with better performing umpires, and I think you have a, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to make all the mistakes go away, but it's a little bit better. It's a, it's, it's a, an alternate solution, I think. It's not, that's all, and, and uh, Hanahan said this too, right? Hanahan or Hanrahan? Hanahan. Hanahan, Jack Hanahan, which is a classic old school baseball name. Hanahan. Get in there, Hanahan. Uh, I feel like that's a manager. That is a matter. You're right. An old Hanrahan right. told me to grab my stick and go up to the dish. There were three ducks on the pond. Sorry. Um, the bases were juiced. The sacks were drunk. I don't know why. It went a little Harry Carey there, didn't it? A little bit. The sacks were drunk. So am I. Bottom of the fifth for the Cubs, bottom of the fifth for me. Where's my Jack Daniels? <laughs> um, the No, but Hanahan said that there's no repercussions for these guys. There's repercussions again, by the way. I think I have our early theme title for this show. There's no consequences. Like, if they, None. he said, you know, he said, if I do a bad job, if I don't hit, I go down to the minors, or I lose my job, or I don't play every day. These guys make mistakes, and there's no consequences for them. So I get that. I just think, you know, it's the old, proud profession where, you know, uh, these guys have been infallible for so long. That's why the challenge system sort of works to me, because there is an amount of strategy involved in it. You couldn't – you could use it maybe once a game in a big spot. You may not have to use it at all. You know, and then you would have the instant replay – to get the call right, you know. But I, I, I do understand your point about repercussions. For <laughs> we need a new word: consequences, repercussions. Out. We need a new Ra- word. ramification. Ramification. Uh, you need you need something. There's got to be a uh, 
a, a little problem. Accountability. Accountability. There's got to, there has to be something because right now. But what could a, you do? What could you do? I told you what you could do. Re- review their performance. You don't even want it. You don't even have to do it at the end of the year if you don't want. Have there's got to be somebody you know floating around. Like what? What? What exactly does Tony Larusa do for Major League Baseball? What's his job? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, he's he's on the payroll. Give him something to do. Perfect hair. He might. He's going to manage the All Star game. I tell you what, that's a nice head of hair at that age. Nice. You know, I hope I have a head of hair like that going. What is he? He's got to be in his late sixties, right? Larusa's in his mid sixties at least. Yeah. Mid to late. Sixty-eight, maybe. My man's pushing 70. He probably is. Hard. But you know what? Have somebody in the league office monitor these guys. And at the, you know, every, every month or however, how, whatever amount of time you want to you wanna check back on these guys and see how they're doing. You know, some sort of, some sort of system, you know. The fir, the fir, it's like the progressive discipline system. First, you know, first you do a coaching with the guy. Listen, you know, your calls haven't been on spot, but. You know, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Then I keep making mistakes. Then it becomes a you know. Well, listen. Yeah, I got to write this up. This is a this is a written this is a written warning. Right. You know, next the next time we're gonna we're gonna be down in HR. Right. But I, the, how are otherwise, you otherwise known as the Angel Hernandez rule. Angel Hernandez, Bob Davidson. I Bob mean, Davidson. some of these guys are, are just are jokes. Well, this this guy the other night, I I, I obviously and admittedly. Uh, don't watch a lot of American League baseball, so I don't know. I think it was Demuro. Is that his name? Dem, Dem, yeah, Demuro. D-I-M-U-R-O. Yeah, but, he's, but he's like 32. Isn't he young? Yeah, but Steve, they, remember, they got rid of the, the league-specific umpires, so now they... they oh, they, did, they do mix and match. You're right. But Demuro, I think? Yeah. It, but, I mean, that was... Going back to that, and then we'll go back to the instant replay. That was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen for one simple reason. We were talking to Dr. Ira Stat about this and uh, and our buddy Nello, the two Yankee fans. And Dr. Ira Stat was outraged. Outraged. And he's a Yankee fan. Right. And he was outraged that this would go on. He was outraged that fans would do this. You know? And I, I said, you can't. I don't know if you can fault the fans. I don't know if you can fault Dwayne Wise. What's he supposed to do? Say, I didn't catch it? You know, good luck. Good luck talking to Phil Hughes back on the bench after the inning's over. I gotta be honest. I did not catch that ball. Sorry. I gotta be honest. Okay. I feel bad. Who's the kid at the plate? I feel bad. I gotta be honest. No, no, he's certainly not gonna do that. And, but, and his, but, his, his teammates would stone him. By the way, Mike Mike Demuro is forty four years old. He's got twelve and a half years of major league service, so he's right. not a rookie. No, I'm thinking of the kid that threw out Davis the other day. Oh, that, that threw out Ike the same night. He's 32. Right. I don't remember his name. I mean, he's he's like four years older than Ike. <laughs> you know, five years older than Ike. But that was Ike Davis put his glove on him. Can't do that. Can't do that. That was. It seemed like a quick hook. It was a terrible call. But uh, it, he blew the call. But you can't do that. But uh, with with this umpire with tomorrow. I've never seen anything like that. Anytime you've ever seen a player go into the stands, he has to show the umpire the ball. Right. How is that possible? And we have the picture up on uh, on Blog Talk Radio on the episode page of the guy standing eight feet away in the stands holding up the ball <laughs> as Dwayne Wise is getting out of the stands. I. It's beyond comprehension. Something... 
I go back to the to the Joe Maurer double that was called a foul ball a couple years ago in the Yankee playoff series. Right. That ball was fair by two feet. I mean, it didn't kick up chalk. It wasn't the Beltron hit against Johan. Okay, that that it's a, it's a bat of an eyelash. It kicks up a little chalk. It's the umpire could easily miss that. This was fair by two feet. And what drives you crazy about that, Bri, was that they have umpires on the lines in the playoffs. Uh, additional umpires. That, that's their only job, and they're right down the line. See that? <laughs> standing. It's right in front of your face. That was egregious. And 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 that's done to prevent, you know, exactly what it didn't prevent in that situation, which is balls down the line and catches in the outfield. Right. The shoestring catch. I don't know if I can go, oh, man, I like your suggestion, Brad. I just don't know if we can come up with a comprehensive list That's of, of what's in and what's out. It's not fleshed out. Well, admit it, we're doing a little podcast here. I didn't expect you to have, like, a, you know, a pressy and a, you know, a summary. Can you have a summary on my desk tomorrow, Brad, about three, 400 words? I, well, I've been thinking about it. Something I can hand into the league office. And and please, and try to be erudite. Please. I don't know. Actually, can you be erudite uh, in the written word? Uh, I don't know if you can. I think it's spoken. I think it's spoken. I think I was going for succinct there. No? Maybe not? Be smart when you write it. Wow. University of Dayton, folks. Sixty-seven thousand dollars for that degree. Use your ten-dollar words, not your five-dollar words. <laughs> Sleeping. Ah, <laughs> uh, at least I wasn't an English major like some people. Well, uh, wow, he's he's remarkably quiet, isn't he? Now he is. I guess anybody what? who goes to college for thirteen years should have some what you, degree. What? You, what? 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 Wait! What? <laughs> Why? Why, why um, me? Why now? I'm just completely fabricating stuff about you now. <laughs> I've turned you I've turned you into uh into uh Jeremy Piven at PCU. <laughs> I'd gladly be that guy. <laughs> right? Wouldn't it be first of all, underrated, overrated, rated? Piven or PCU or, or, let's, or let's take P, let's take PCU first. Uh, underrated and forgotten. Tremendously underrated, right? Am I wrong? It's underrated. A number. Oh, Cal, you it, seem hesitant. No, it it is under. I don't. I don't think it's tremendously underrated, but it's underrated. I'm surprised. It's a good movie. It's a very funny movie. Holds up pretty well too. Yeah, it does. Considering the PC, you know, uh, exchange, <laughs> the the PC situation we live in now. Now, Piven. Underrated, overrated, rated. Piven Piven was underrated, and then I think he got his due. Right. So I think he might be where he needs to be right now. I'm going to go with overrated now. You think? I've had enough. That far? Yeah, I've had enough. Okay. He's had a, he's had a, he's had a few too many TMZ moments. Yeah, and, and after, like, Gross Point Blank and stuff, like, I was good. I admittedly never watched Entourage, so... He was good on Entourage. Too painful. He was good. I know, but he was good. <laughs> I, I'm sure he was good. I'm sure he was good at our, as Ari Gold. But uh, I, too much. I'm done with Piven. He was excellent. He was excellent in 
another great underrated crazy movie, Smoke and Aces. Smoke and Aces. I think that's the name of this movie. I think it is too. Yes. Doesn't he play like a magician or something? And more. Right. His his character has many layers. But he's coked up. He's locked up in a hotel. He's wanted. Is that a Guy Ritchie movie? I don't know. Or am I... Is that a... Boy, I wish you had a computer, Peach. Uh, hold on. <laughs> Smoking Aces? Smoking Aces. I know the movie he's talking about. It was sold as like a lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. And What did he say? He's going to go buy one? <laughs> I can buy one? It's not Guy Ritchie. It's uh, Joe Carnahan. Not familiar with his work. A Las Vegas magician, Jeremy Piven, turned mafia informant. Ah, that's right. Okay. Who else you got in there, Cal? On, uh, uh, on the IMDb. Cast of characters. Uh, ben Affleck, Jason Bateman, Andy Garcia, Ray Liotta, Matthew Oof. Fox, Alicia Keys. She was all what year is this movie? 19... 2007. <laughs> 2007. Wow. May have to, uh, to go get it. Wait a minute. Are you telling me you haven't, you haven't partaken of Smoking Aces? Never seen it. Now, I remember it. I, I remember it well now. I remember it coming out. I remember the whole thing. Uh, I, I did not see it. I feel badly now. This might is be this, something to see. This might be something to see. Does this help Piven... Uh, out, I guess it does. Enough about Jeremy Piven, guys. He's a little obnoxious. I don't know how we got on Jeremy Piven. It happens. Everything well, always turns to Jeremy Piven. Listen, just real, real quick, tying up the the umpire thing. Yes. What what is what do you make of the increased animosity between the umpires and the players and the and the coaches and the managers? I mean, these umpires are just as confrontational as ever. What's going on? You know, it's really interesting. Having played the game, not at that level, obviously, but we played the game for a long time. And we were taught a certain amount of respect for umpires. I understand it was a different time. Um, I think it's starting... I look at somebody like Ike Davis, right? Now, Ike Davis grew up in the game. His father was a Major League Baseball player. There's a sense of entitlement among this young crop. Ike Davis is 25. He acts like he's been in the major leagues for 14 years. I'll give you that on Ike Davis. You know, like every call is just ridiculous, and he shrugs his shoulders and shakes his head, and if he gets punched out on you know a call third strike, he drops the bat and looks around in an incredulous manner. Uh, I, I don't think Ike Davis is the exception. I see it a lot. I well no no I'm not I'm not trying to justify the umpire's behavior or their short fuses, Bry. I'm just saying that this is the son of a major league baseball player who, if anyone, should have been raised with that old school respect. There's a time to go at umpires and a time not to. And I feel like in in a lot of ways the game. I feel like in a lot of ways, the, the modern baseball player is sort of pampered. He's sort of, you know, every whim is attended to. 
and who is the umpire to you know stand in his way? Who is the, the? I think they have. A, I think it's more on the ball players. I do. I you know I see that I I I get where you're coming from. I don't think it's more on the ball players. I think they probably, sh- if anything, they share equal responsibility. I just okay. I find I find that the umpires are more than ever looking for the confrontation. In other words, if, if there's always going to be some chirping from the dugout on balls and strikes. Yes. Right? It's, but it's I feel like part so, of the game. Like a lot know, of this but, is part of the game. But gamesmanship, like, it's going back 100 years. Yeah, but Steve, I feel like some of these umpires got rabbit ears right now and, and they, you know, rip the mask off and look at it. It's like they're looking for it. Right. I always thought, in, in, and again, like this is this is how we were, how we were brought up and, and how we were taught. The umpires are supposed to just, they're supposed to take the high road. Yes. They well, that's are, true. you know, they're, they are enforcing the rules of the game. So they have to take the high road. If someone's going to come out and yell at him, He's going to have to take the, he's going to have to take it a little bit. He can yell back, that's fine. But I think a lot of these guys are just like that. They're snapping and going right back at the player. And I bring up the Hanahan example from the other night with Demuro because he went out there complaining that the guy dropped the ball and right away in the clip that I saw, Demuro got right in Hanahan's face and was pointing at him and jawing at him and the next thing you know, he threw him out of the game. And now I don't know what was said. There's always the magic word that right. no matter how calm you are, if you say it, you're gone. Right. The but bull Durham yeah. magic word. I just feel like th- that these umpires are and, – and to be fair to the umpires, they're under a lot of pressure right now. They are being scrutinized more than they've ever been, rightfully so, because they're making more mistakes than they ever have. But I think the pressure is getting to a lot of these guys, and that might be contributing to their short views. I, you know what? You're right. It is equal blame because I, I think umpires... I think if, if certain umpires who have been around for a long time have a short fuse or uh, uh, maybe jaw with uh, guys a little quicker uh, than other guys, they've earned it almost in a way. You know what I mean? It's the same way as like Tony La Russa is going to take a lot longer to get thrown out of a game than, like, you know, a first-year manager, you know, the Manny Acta, you know, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, managers have reputations. Bobby Cox, you know, among them, who got thrown out of, like, 840 games or something. Uh, that's a gross exaggeration. But he got thrown out the most, I think, of any manager, correct? Yeah, he set the record, right. in, I think, in his last year. But again, like, certain some certain umpires have earned the right to maybe have a short fuse. They've been around for a long time. They know what they're doing, but a thirty. See what I think Hanahan did, or or the umpire with Hanahan Demuro, which is very common among the younger umpires, is that if they blow the call, and they know they've blown the call, then it's it's not going to be on them. It's going right. to be your fault. Right. See, like uh, Demuro threw him out immediately because he knew he blew that call. He knew it. How could he possibly not? He never saw the baseball. Look, here's 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 the juxtaposition. Same thing have, with the kid the other night with Davis. Like he knew he blew that call. Right. That's why he's got you know Ike. Yes, Ike put a glove on him, but it, Ike didn't push him. Ike Davis put a glove on him. You can't do that. But it, he didn't have to run him immediately. Right. But he also know he he also knows he blows the call. 
So a lot of times when an umpire, I feel like egregiously, it's egregious again, but it badly misses a strike call, for example, and they're hearing chirping on the bench, they stare back. Yes. This is my call. You know, and it, and it compounds the problem rather than, you know. Here, let me give you let me give you the three ways this goes. Number one, you have the Demuro and the guy, and I, I wish I knew the guy in Chicago, but I don't care to look his name up. I don't care. Um, Demuro and that guy, they blow, they blow a call immediately. They get defensive and go on the attack to try right. to deflect it. That's that's, that's right. one way that they do it. A lot of the umpires do it that way. Right. Another another way that they do it is they blow the call and they stand by the call. Even if the call was obviously wrong, <laughs> right. right? Like Adrian Johnson in the in the Johan Santana game, right? It was, I mean, it was clear. He he saw the replay. They showed the man the replay, and he said, "I stand by my call." It was it was a foul ball. You know what? Though and I respect him. I I can respect that because he's sticking to it. He's not waffling on it. He's not uh, going back in an aggressive way to defend himself. He's just simply said, "This is the call that I made, and this is what I'm going with." Right. That's 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 two, and then the third way, the the much less obvious and and the one that most umpires don't take, is the Jim Joyce route, where they readily admit that they blew the call, and they apologize for it. Right, which is not great either. It's not great, and it doesn't make you feel better, but at least you have respect for the man for acknowledging the fact that he's human and he made a mistake. Now, if it's a call that that costs you a no hitter. Or if it's a call that, or a or a perfect game or or a game, right. you know, or you know, heavens forbid, a, a playoff game. The uh, was it Dan? What was his name in '85? Uh, uh, Don Denkinger. Don Denkinger. World Series because could have could have cost them the World Probably Series. Probably cost them the World Series. It very well might have, but at least you have respect for the guy who admits that he blew the call. So those those are the ways you know when you're an umpire and you blow a call, you have three ways. You have three choices. How, how do you handle it, you know? So, look, I'm tired of talking about umpires. No, no, but it, it's and, – and we'll move on to the Yankees and the Mets in just a second. And, and uh, I, I got a great uh, message from uh, a, a listener, believe it or not, uh, posted up on uh, Facebook uh, about the Mets scoring 19 runs yesterday. It's pretty funny. Um or 17 runs yesterday. But uh, the last thing on the replay, though, Bri, if you – just the, the challenge thing, is there any way that that works? Is there any way to say if you challenge in that game, you lose it for the next game? How about that? Yeah, there might be. That, that, that's, not, that's, not a bad, that's not a bad solution. I think, I think it would take a lot of creativity to come up with a solution that everybody is happy with. But I, I don't I don't necessarily think that there's no way to come up with it. That might that might be the best way to do it. But I don't it, it's it's going to be tricky to find the best possible way to to make that work. I think. Yeah. No, I I know. And and Girardi I guess has come out as a pretty big advocate of that, right? When asked. Yes. Uh, and that's that's interesting to me. I I. Not the other night though. He he wasn't he wasn't. No, no, he, he wasn't. He wasn't looking for replay the other night. No. And look, you can't. You can't kill. Like I said, this is not Dwayne Wise's fault. This is not the fans' fault. Well, it's not. What's he supposed to do, Brian? 
He's playing it. You would if if it was a Met and and that Met came out and said if if that was Jason Bay. Well, all right, bad example. He'd have a concussion. If that was if that was Kirk Newenice and he went into the stands and and he and and that happened and he came out and said I didn't catch the ball. And, no, it, ca- and it wound up costing them a game. You'd you'd go nuts. You're not going to admit it. You're right. I mean, you, you can't kill Dwayne Wise. What's he supposed to do? I didn't catch it. The most bizarre part of that entire thing was was the the kid that helped with the ball. He's standing there. He's wearing a red shirt. And then as he goes to, to pick up the ball, he puts his Toronto Blue Jays cap on. <laughs> Which was the, just the strangest thing. Why, first of all, why is he? Why does he have? Why is he wearing a Blue Jays cap? Second of all, why is he not wearing the cap? Why is he holding it? Right. <laughs> it was almost as if he was trying to hide his identity. Like right. if you watch the clip, he puts the cap on real quick, so nobody knows it's him. Right. And then uh, because a guy in a red shirt and a Blue Jays cap is not going to stand out at a Yankee game. <laughs> they blend right in. Did he turn to whoever he was with and say, excuse me, Lois, Jimmy, there's a foul ball somewhere that I need to hide. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, he put glasses on. He put the glasses with the nose and the mustache, the Groucho glasses. <laughs> what? I wish that that would come back as, a, as an accepted incognito moment. So, if you're like a, like a celebrity and you don't want to be recognized. Just walking around with a Groucho. Walking around with the Groucho glasses and the nose and the mustache. Just as a goof. I mean, when uh, Bobby, Bobby Valentine did it, he got ripped to shreds. I know. Shreds. And still probably one of my favorite Met moments ever. Just the, whoa. It is. Hey, oh. What happened over there? Everybody all right? He's a big Bobby Valentine fan. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. I thought, Is that the blind deaf dog? No, that's the uh, that's the the spry two year old. Oh, that's the new scrapper. That's yeah, you know, she's a little little scrapper. Let me ask you a question: Does the blind, deaf old dog is is he at all aware that his replacement has been brought into the house? Oh yeah, no, and it's not he's she's not his replacement. She's just a you know, it's like when a man gets really old and they bring a companion in just to kind of spend time with him. No, but he, I mean, is is he showing this other dog the ropes? As much as he can without being able to see. <laughs> Does he know, though? He's, it's clear. No. He, yes, he knows. He knows. He, he's not deaf. He's just blind. Right. So he's not hard of hearing. He but can... this is this is the oldest parental trick in the book. When the one, when the one pet gets really, really old and, and, and the end is imminent, you buy another pet. It is, so it is to to cushion the blow. This was, well, this was not this was not designed as a parental trick, <laughs> unless um, my uh, wife was playing tricks on herself. I did not say trick. You said the, it's the oldest parental trick in the book. I did. Yeah, you did. I, I think I was trying to uh, rack it, rack it up. <laughs> I think I was what I was trying to do there was uh, use the cliche like trick in the book. Yeah, no, it, it it is a cliche, but no, he is. Um, before he went completely blind, he did have a renewed little uh, spring in his step. So he had yeah. like a, he had like a last good season. Yeah, it was like cocoon almost. 
and we're back. Uh, and we're back to Gutenberg. Because it all comes back to Gutenberg. Back. Gutenberg and Don Amici. And Wilford Brimley. Because it's the right thing to do. And a hell of a way to do it. I want to talk to you about diabetes. Diabetes. I love that he said diabetes. I know. That's how my grandmother used to say it. I got the diabetes. Yes, the diabetes. The di- yeah. It was like the gout. The gout. <laughs> uh, I just love that the old dog is uh, is uh, you know had that one last good time in the in the sun. You know, hey, look, couple of hit, couple of hits, maybe like a you know a ten game hitting streak. You know, yeah, put put together a couple of big games. Definitely was had some renewed renewed spark. Was that when you brought in the other dog? Yes, when we because you didn't know how how he was going to react because there he had, was. Been, he had there, been the big dog is. on campus for ten years. Ten years, which All by is seventy years, as we know. That's a lot in dog years. And then here comes this uh, this little upstart, right, Bryce Harper, in. bringing in. Yeah. Oh, she she was. I mean, she showed no respect for for her. <laughs> this sounds like seniors. this sounds like uh, Mantle and Dimaggio. When they had to play the outfield together, it's very similar. But you know what? He's he's a very calm sort, and and he was accepting. And you know, even now she likes to play, and and the poor guy is blind, and she's jumping all over his back, and she's scratching at him, and and sniffing him, and he's, he's, he's exhausted. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's just thinking, can you leave me alone? I'm freaking blind. <laughs> you know, but it's not enough. You're gonna take my place. You gotta you gotta harass me now. And you just I don't want to, I'm exhausted. For the last time, I don't want to play with you. <laughs> I'm 12 years old. I'm 84 in people years. I can't see a damn thing. <laughs> Shut up and let me sleep. I haven't seen what I'm eating. Oh, he, like, he, he never cared about that. No. He is a dog. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm happy that... Uh, Ferguson. Ferguson. Ferguson's the older dog? Ferguson, yeah, the older dog. After uh, what do yeah. you call it? Jenkins? No, not not after Ferguson Jenkins. I like it. And what's the new dog's name? Uh, Bailey. Bailey. Bailey Bell, named by the kids. Yes. Bailey Bell. Is the naming of the pets as big a deal as I think it is, or as I remember it being as a kid? It kind of is. Was that a big? Was that a big? We could probably bring PJ. PJ, you have uh, several children and pets among them. Several. Uh, <laughs> you you have uh, you have a, a litter over there and and uh, pets as well. Uh, is and the naming and strong and growing? I, we have Flintstone kids. Wow. Do they still have the Flintstone vitamins? Yeah, they're in gummy yeah. form now. Flintstone chewables, gummy form, like gummy bears, gummy Flintstones. Oh, you gotta, you gotta convince these kids that everything's freaking candy, otherwise they won't take it. Yeah, right. These the kids. dentists love that. By the way, I think we just raised the aggregate age uh, of our <laughs> of the podcasters here by like thirty seven years when you went with that, those kids, and uh, it, it got really old manny in here real quick. And another thing, both kids. They never call. That's right. <laughs> Look, when they were vitamins, when we were kids, they were chewable. What, what, what was the flavor? In my day. Something orange. that approximated cherry, but it wasn't really cherry. Now you can get it in, like, 
cookie dough cake batter. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Just take your vitamins and shut up. Cookie dough. In my day, we didn't have any vitamins. And we liked it. We loved it. We chewed we on willow bark for the salicylic acid, and we liked it. <laughs> we were bald freaks, and we loved it. Flippity flu. Naming That's a pet good. is important. That's a great character, by the way. Grumpy old man. In my day, we didn't have any fancy flame retardant pajamas. If your pajamas caught on fire, you were on fire and you were a freak. And we liked it. We loved it. Um, yes, the naming of the ports rem- uh, the naming of the pets remains important. Is what you're saying? Oh yeah, it's it's a process. So we the kids name here and their the their, their names name? were changed several times. <laughs> I just remember naming. Uh, I I didn't get a chance to name my dog. And then when we finally got a dog that we can, because we inherited it, then when we finally got a dog we could name, we went with Petey. Okay. Oh. Our gang. Yes. Well, it was he was the reverse of our gang. So he was a black dog with a white thing on his eye. Okay. He was the reverse of Petey. And then we named the dog Indiana. Can't imagine why. Hmm. God. Yeah. Oni saw that movie 874 times. Uh, Indiana was not a great... But it was very important, the naming of the dogs. The naming of the turtle. I had a turtle, a box turtle named Rocky. Because I thought it was a boxer turtle. I was not a bright child. You're the cutest. I want to squeeze you. (laughs) I was not a bright child. (laughs) You're adorable. And our fish just had babies. What? What are you running over there? We have some guppies and they got busy. Get the hell out of here! Teeny tiny, teeny tiny babies, and they're going to get sucked up in the filter. It's not going to be. It's not going to be pretty. <laughs> Did you name the babies? There's no point. They're not going to make it. No, they're going to be gone. They're not going to make it. No. So your kids named. Oh, I had uh, two birds named Daffy and Daffy Two. Daffy Two. That's correct. The sequel. Wow. Of wow. Uh, I, oh, and so, I had. So I Mensa had, didn't call the house a lot. Recruiting. Mensa, yeah, right? I had a, a couple of birds later on uh, that were cockatoos that were like real birds. Like these, those other ones were like parakeets. In fact, Duffy, cockatoo my one, dog, cockatoo, cockatoo. Right, Duffy, my dog, ate one of the the uh, parakeets. <laughs> Duffy, Duffy was a little wire hair terrier, a little son of a. Oh man, he was the son of a gun. And one of the parakeets got out of the cage. When my dad was changing it, and it flew into the wall because its wings had been clipped, and it flew into the wall and like never had a chance. Slid down behind the television. Duffy went back there. It was all over. All over. Wow, there was nothing more to be said. My dad had to let the dog. I remember the dog running outside, running out back with feathers coming out of its mouth. Yeah, it was like Wild Kingman in my living room. What a scene. It must must have been at your house. <laughs> oh, I was crying. Scott was like, that was awesome. Oh, my God. My older brother was like, do that again. I had a dog that hung himself. <laughs> oh. Good night, everybody. Thanks. No, but the punchline is that for about 15 years, I thought I had left the back gate open and the dog ran away. 
So my parents thought it would be better for this kid growing up to think that he let the dog run away because of his actions. That was better than being told that the dog hung itself. Oh, no. No, no. No, no. Yeah. No, I agree with the parents. You can take it. That was... I was... What? I re- it just came out in, in casual conversation. Like, my father was like, oh, yeah. Remember the time Rusty hung himself? I said, what? I said, what? Rusty didn't hang himself. I I let him run away. <laughs> this is the worst story I've ever heard. Oh, no, son. You didn't really do that. He's like, run away. Pfft. A dog got hung up on the on the thing. I had to call the Wallaces down the block to to remove him. The dog was the dog was um. He wasn't even from the pound. He was found on the streets of Queens by my uncle. Right. He never had a chance. Never had a chance. No, I mean I was five years old at the time. He and my uncle, hey Ralphie, I got a dog for the kids. Take this dog home for the kids. He said, yeah, sure. Very depressed. This dog was uh, the dog was a mess, from what I remember. But um, apparently one day what? I had Bo- booze, drugs. I I don't know from whence he came. It's but it, um, the dog just needed another chance, man. He, uh, he there was another dog on the other side on, our, on the back side of our house. It was a Doberman Pinscher. Oh my gosh! He's barking. Barking through the fence and and barking at my dog and my dog is just jumping back and forth up and down bah, 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 and he gets his collar stuck on the top of a uh, those the 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 fences, oof the slotted fences the worst story I've ever heard and then my you know my mother all of a sudden had you know she was home she hears the the barking stop she looks out the window and sees this dog hanging there wonderful um. So I come home, and I don't remember, you know, the day that I came home, but I remember, you know, they told me that he ran away. And I thought, oh, no, I left the gate open. And they didn't correct me. So. And for 15 years, you carried the load. Oh, no, no. No, no, he didn't run away, son. No, no. I never, I never left a yard without checking the gate again. Well, that that learned you. Ever. So you know what? This story has a happy ending. Rusty was uh, symbolic. Rusty was Rusty was one of the great uh, learning tools. Right. <laughs> I think the "There Will Be Blood" music is is perfect for this. We didn't get can another we, dog. Can we get back to a happier subject, please? We didn't get another dog for about ten years. We brought in another. Uh, Unstable Lhasa Apsa <laughs> that we named Bruce Lee because the Lhasa Apsas are, are, are Asian. Yes. Right. Um, this dog attacked my sister on the morning she was supposed to have a, a relatively minor surgery. But the dog attacked her and scratched her in the face and there went that there went Bruce Lee. Suffering from the same curse as the real blue place. <laughs> Good night, everybody. This has been a great episode, really. How about my parakeet named Stanley? <laughs> named after the Roper's parakeet, Stanley. <laughs> well done. That was that's how we named him. That's excellent. Did Stanley he accidentally the take a cyanide <laughs> pill or something? <laughs> Uh, 
Turns out Stanley was a secret agent uh, who had been involved in a, a strange pact of some sort. Right. No, but 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 if if you want a a, a, a parakeet a parakeet side parakeet side story, is that possible? My, uh, my wife's bird was was uh, smothered. <laughs> what is going on? When she was the ASPCA on the line. When she was a kid, her her grandmother was was applying some sort of ointment to the bird's beak. Sure, like and, you. And 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 you know went a little heavy on the ointment, thereby covering up the uh, the nostrils. Inadvertently uh, depriving this poor bird of, of air. Listen, I'm going on vacation. Could you not watch my pets? <laughs> my pet, my listen, my pets are fine. This was the previous generation that couldn't couldn't wow. take care of. What couldn't a disaster! Holy cow! Oof. Uh, anyway, uh, back I hope to... I, my two dogs are sitting here. I hope they didn't hear a word of that. <laughs> I know. Ferguson and Bailey are like, we're getting out of here. Someone's playing dead already. <laughs> Nudge him follow, quick. Follow me. Playing dead. Look at her. We're getting out of here. We're going over the wall tonight. <laughs> <laughs> These people are crazy, man. Oh, boy. Did you hear about Rusty? We're getting out of here, man. Sambuca, Sambuca was a good girl. We had her for 10 years. Sambuca sounds like a good dog. She was beautiful. Peach, you had uh, you had cats for 100 years, didn't you? Many, many. Yeah, I've had I've had cats since the 90s. I've had well, I had we had seven dogs at one time. Wow, at once? Yeah, but then there was the long winter and uh <laughs> we we got down to three. <laughs> no, no, no! We gave them away. Did you travel cross country with them? Can you while we're while we're on the pets? Can you tell us about the cat so we can talk about the Mets and the Yankees, please? You got to hear about the cat first. Well, it's just, you know, I'm such I'm such a good neighbor. We got, um, well, Cal just told you know seven snuff stories about uh, pets. We might as well go to the. We might as well go to the uh, to the running over the cat. Was it a run over situation? Oh, no, no, no. The 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 poor, the poor cat got locked in my garage, uh, and we didn't know about it. We went on vacation, so so the poor thing died uh, from dehydration. Oh, so when we God. came when we came home uh, uh, when we came home from vacation, I went down to the garage to move things around, and all. Oh, then I found the cat. And I said, "Oh, I know, I know what cat this is. This is the cat that always comes over uh, every morning. He used to come to my back door and meow, and I would give him some food because he was kind of an outdoor cat, but he was their cat. And man, Tiger dead He's in the garage. What are we gonna do? So we wrapped him up nicely in a towel, and uh, then we put the towel in a box. And I said, "Well, we got to bring it over to him. I'm sure they're looking for their for their cat." And I start across the lawn towards my neighbor's house, and I notice that there are a lot of cars outside. Oh no! And I, and I say, "Oh, this is this is probably a bad time to do this." And then I notice other people are bringing boxes to the house. So I said, "Well, now this is this is really not a good time." Then someone spots me. I think it's his son spots me, and I guess assumes that I'm coming to the house with a gift. <laughs> so he waves me over. Oh no! 
Come on over, uh-huh. come on over. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing now. Now now I'm just going with it. You're in the no man's land between your house and his house. Right. I don't know where to go. I can't run and away. And you've been acknowledged. Like, oh, I'll come back. Right. So I come on. And I and I said, you know, is is uh is he home? And uh they said, Yeah, well let me get him. Hold on, Dad, come on down, blah 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 and everyone's got now I'm really noticing they're people are like really animated and excited around here. Uh, and out comes this guy with a big button. It's like eight inches across, this giant button, and it says, it's my 50th birthday. <laughs> and I said, oh, you uh, you probably don't want to see me right now. He's like, no, no, what's the matter? What's the matter? I said, well, I, uh, I, I, I found your cat. He's oh, like, oh. No. I said, yeah, he's in this box. He goes, oh. <laughs> and then his daughter oh. come out. Because they wanted to see where where their dad went, and now they see me there holding, looking very sad and very sorry. Oh no! Like, oh no! Is that Tiger? And I'm like, oh yeah, happy birthday! <laughs> oh boy! Uh, you know, so yeah, so now he gets to remember his fiftieth birthday, <laughs> not as when his daughters threw him this great party and fifty people came over. But as the day that his idiot neighbor came over in front of his dead cat in a towel. Wow. Because I'm that I, I don't know I'm just creating memories over here. Yep. That's uh, boy. That's tough to top. And you guys, uh, you could you doing the the, the fruit cake at Christmas or what? How's everything now? You guys. Uh, we wave. We give. We give the man nod. You know. We give the guy a nod back and forth. Hey, how you doing, Right. That's Thanks. about it. Thanks for my cat. Right. That hasn't been brought up since. <laughs> I'm surprised. At least the cat wasn't in a box. <laughs> wrapped. <laughs> uh, at least, I, at yeah, least there was no gift wrap and there was no bow. <laughs> right. But the man was wearing a button. Giant button. And boy, man... Let me tell you, just it, it's that what a sinking feeling when you realize, boy, I, I'm just about to hit this guy in the face. I'm about to completely ruin. Yeah. This memory, there's no going back. There's nothing I can do. I have no. Sh- it was. I, I was waved in. I mean, there was, there was nothing I could do. Oh, no, nobody's point. nobody's blaming you. I'm just saying it's that it's that utter horror at the realization that I'm about to ruin somebody's memory, yeah. and there is nothing I can do. Yeah. Well, I tried to make it a little better. I told him a little white lie. I um I couldn't tell him <laughs> that. He put up a good fight. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I told him he he died putting out a fire and saving my kids. <laughs> he left a note. <laughs> PJ, PJ, why didn't you go out looking for an exact replacement and just try to pass it off as as his cat and call him if Mr. I, you know what? If I had, if I could have gotten back to my front door, I would have done that. If you were Ben Stiller, you would have been able to do that. If I if I had ten more seconds to get back to the front door, I would I would have tried to get him a cat immediately. Jeez, Fokker, it's but just a game. The tractor beam pulled me in. Yeah, you were well. Uh, thank you, boy. The last uh, eighteen minutes of this show for the ball. <laughs> this is this is. I all can't wait to. Yeah, to cut this up for the best of real. This is gonna yeah, be great. This, this is gonna be good. I, I, we got dogs hanging themselves, dogs eating parakeets, and a guy, 
find, finding his neighbor's dead cat and then bringing it to him on his 50th birthday at his party. Gentlemen, gentlemen, thank you for coming to SNY. Have a seat. I've had a look at your reel, and I want you to explain something to me. Why is this reel all about you guys killing animals? We love the idea of a podcast network for SNY. We just have one problem. <laughs> It's we about caught, the animals. We caught your episode three dot twenty five. Great stuff about the umpires. Great stuff. And then it got dark. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, the banter is good, but I fail like, to see how this like, is a sports podcast anymore. Like the banter. But uh you know, you might want to mix in a little in a little sports into your sports podcast. No, and I'll tell you why, gosh darn it, because this is what makes you special. You can do sports, and you can do snuff. (laughs) And they're both good. Pet snuff, come on, we're not sick. (laughs) It's not, you know, come on We are murderers. Right. The Yankees are, uh... (laughs) Segways? Oh, boy. I uh, I failed Segway, obviously. I fell off my Segway. Yeah, I got a a solid D in Segway. Um, not not great at that. No, seriously. We do. I want to talk about the Yankees. I want to talk about the Mets, and then we're gonna do the fun load. Darn it! And we're leaving a lot of time for the fun load. Good. So let's just hit real quick on the Yankees. Real quick on the Yankees. The big news is that they lost their one and two starter within like eight minutes of each other. Quick. Uh, you know, they put CC Sabathia on the DL this morning with a, uh, a strained uh, groin, side, oblique, lung. What has he got? I think it's an oblique. No. I think it's, it's an oblique. two weeks, though. Yeah, he's, he's just two weeks, but you, you never know. Supposedly, Brian Cashman said it's only going to be three starts, so. Uh, and then uh, you know he's couple, gonna yeah he's gonna start the game after the All Star break, right? If all goes according to plan, you know we're talking about a big guy here. Just saying, I, I'm not rooting. I'm just saying a pulled muscle could turn into something more. That's all I'm saying. And then like four hours later, Andy Pettit gets drilled by a line drive and uh, breaks his ankle. Uh, he is gone six to eight weeks, uh, so you're looking more at the end of August for Andy Pettit. Um, it's a huge blow for this team, Cal. That is white hot. I think they were what nineteen and six in June. Um, you know, just uh, thirteen games over five hundred. Uh, you know, winning basically. What have they won? Like eighteen games over five hundred. Yeah, but no, I'm saying they're thirteen uh, uh, for the month. For the month of June, yeah. And uh, just why did they win tonight? No, they actually they they. Blew a ninth inning, three one uh, lead in the ninth inning. They lost to Chicago four to three. I tell you, Soriano's a problem. Sorry. It wasn't Soriano? It was David Robertson. I tell you, Dave Robertson's a problem. No, <laughs> was it really? I'm yeah. surprised. Oh well, they had used Soriano quite a bit over the last week. So yeah, is that why uh, uh, David Robertson got the? David Robertson, I don't think is cut out to be a closer, Bry. But it wasn't Robertson that closed. It was um, Clay Rapata. Can was you stop? Just tell me who blew the who blew the damn game. Uh, it was Rapata and and David Robertson. And Robertson. It was the two of them. So Robertson was called on at some point to close the game, correct? Uh, yes, he was. But not to start the ninth. No. So they were going matchups there. They went, yeah, they went matchups, and then uh, 
Viseido, Viseido, Viseido. I don't know how you pronounce that. Hit a home run off Robertson, a three-run homer in the oh, night. Oh wow! Yeah, I'd say Robertson has magnificent stuff. It, it is electric. I'm still not sure he's a closer. Uh, clearly not, based on, on his performance this yeah, year. Yeah, something just but so. Look, my it's, question, a bl- it's a it's a blip on the screen for this team. I think you think it is. Yeah, I think so. Probably they've lost their one and two starter. Their starting pitching in in uh, June has been magnificent. Uh, now they're going to be relying on uh, Ivan Nova, Phil Hughes. Now they they fortunately get the All Star break in there, so CC really only misses two starts, maybe three. But you're relying awfully heavily on Ivan Nova, Hideki Kuroda, uh, uh, and Phil Hughes, and Freddie Garcia. We'll be and back now, Freddie Garcia, Freddie Garcia, and uh, this other uh, this other journeyman type, Warren. Yeah. Um, you don't see the potential here for this team to lose five or six games in a row. I don't see. I don't think so because they're just watching the way they've been hitting. They're they're all pretty much locked in right now. Right. You know. So I I just I think and again it goes it goes back to what I've been saying all year. This team is going to out hit you. The, the fact that they got the great starting pitching for the last month has just been – that's what's really vaulted them to this, you know, being right. 17 games over 500. But they have – the way that their lineup is set up and the way that their team is comprised, they can out-hit you any night of the week. And even if their starter gives up five or six runs, they can still score seven or eight without thinking. No, that's true. You know, no, so you're, that's why that's I, very I, true. I feel like, you know, tonight's, tonight's a blip. The White Sox are a good team. Yes. You know they're they're leading the AL Central, so. No, I I I I'm going to be really interested to see if it is indeed a blip or if they wind up getting in a lot of these six five seven six eight. You know. I think I think you're going to see a lot of that. Right, but how many of those games are they going to win? Now their bullpen is still very very good. Bullpen is excellent. If they're if if they are playing in the right, I think tonight they were miscast. Putting Robertson in to close the game, that's not his role. Right, because but they, obviously Soriano was not available. They needed to give Soriano a night off because Soriano's been great. He's only blown one save. 16 he's, out of 17. Yeah, or, but he's given up runs in a lot of those games. He's given up runs, but he's getting the job done. And, yeah. if, and if Robertson pitches in the in the eighth and Boone Logan uh, is really stepped up. Boone Logan, is, uh, I mean, against the Mets, looked fantastic. I, t- I told you, he made them look like little leaguers. Yes. It was embarrassing. And not good little leaguers. No, no, the right fielders. They uh, you, you, do you see the Orioles now with the fade? Um, I mean, is, is is it time for the Orioles to sort of fade out of this thing and it to become a two-team race between the Yankees and the Rays? Um, only a little bit. I think I think Boston is starting to get hot. No, Boston's five games over. Uh, you know, Boston's they, only they're six games out, but right. If they won today, they get to six games over. Obviously, they're playing well. They got Euclid out of that locker room, which. Frankly, I think is 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 to the plus. I mean, you would never, right, Cal? Like, how would you? You never would have thought you would say that, right? Like, getting Euclid out of the Red Sox locker room is actually a plus. Well, you know that locker room maybe needed a little bit of a makeover after after the last couple of years. You know, it was like what we said with the Mets back in 2006, and they were successful in 06 and 07 and and 08. They had the collapses, but they needed to they needed to purge the locker room. Of no, some, that's of some bad guys. So it's kind of similar with the Red Sox. Yeah, or and not even bad guys. Like, not I, bad guys. You can't call right. You can't call Euclid a bad guy. No. You can certainly call Euclid a guy whose maybe time was up in Boston, though. 
Yeah, and that's for sure. And like, and you have to sort of redo the locker room at certain points and say, "Hey, look, you know, it's it's time for you to move on." So they did that, but I I, I still don't see them as a threat. Yeah. No. So do you, do you? I mean, the Yankees are five games up now. Do you see them running away with with the division, or do you think that they're going to come back to the pack no. now? No, no, not, I don't think they're going to come back to the pack, but I think this development keeps it competitive. Okay. Like, I think CC, and again, I'm really interested to see if it is, in fact, only three starts. Because supposedly he's been, I mean, that was uh, Brian Cashman's excuse for why he pitched so poorly against the Mets. Of course. Couldn't have been that the Mets hit him. Had to be that he's been hurting Sorry. before this. Right. He, Maybe. he shut down the Braves completely. Yeah. That's, uh, he must have been must have been hurting then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. He pitched a complete game, you know, Six-hitter against the Braves five days, earlier. five days earlier. But he's, he was hurting, clearly. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm really interested to see. And, and I'm really interested to see the impact of losing Pettit, who, as we've joked, but he did, ride in on the white horse, save this rotation that was in, sh- you know, in shambles. It was. I mean, th- this rotation was in shambles. I... I, I Wish I could look up their, you know, real quick their record when Andy Pettit joined the rotation. Um, you know, the team's record and the starters' record. Um, when, it, when did he When did he join the team? Boy, I don't I don't remember, Cal. You know, I, I and I know I saw the puff of white smoke go up at the stadium and everything, and you know, uh, all all that coverage and and you know Susan Waldman and the whole thing. I mean, I saw all that. But uh, <laughs> you know the best tweet I saw, by the way, from the uh, the Clemens trial. What's that? Was the uh, if Susan Waldman could have read the jury's verdict from from George Steinbrenner's box. <laughs> He's not guilty. He's not guilty on all charges. Oh my God. Goodness gracious! Goodness gracious! Roger Clemens is in George Steinbrenner's box. Oh, of all the most amazing! Oh, he, and he's not guilty. <laughs> this is great. Such a great tweet. Uh, the Yankees were nineteen and fourteen when Pettit wrote in. And there you go. And now they're sixteen games over. Right. And they had a remarkable pitching month. And they had a fantastic pitching month. You know, Phil Hughes. Suddenly, it's for real. Okay, pitching good. Um, I, 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 I really am going to be interested to see though, Bry, what this does for uh, for the Yankees if it keeps them close to the back because they were in danger of like making a joke of the NL or the AL East. Right. And because if those bats get hot at the right time and they get any sort of pitching, they're devastating. Well, I think I don't think yeah, you can I, ever count out Tampa Bay. No, I, I ever. I agree. Um. Hey, that Nick Swisher, not a fan, by the way. Quickly moving himself up the ranks. Yeah. Of uh, uh, now, I was listening to the Sunday night game. I was in the car on my way back from Jersey, so I didn't see uh, his antics after hitting the three-one home run off Ari Dickey. However, Josh Lewin on uh, the radio for the Mets made it sound like he was really happy with himself. They all, you know, 
the thing that struck me about the Yankees is that they're supposed to be this team that's been there before and they know how to act and nothing really phases them. Right. And and I got to tell you, the entire weekend, every time you saw them in the dugout, they were yucking it up. I mean, yeah, they, they were laughing yeah. and hugging each other and pointing yep. and it yeah. was like, settle the, down just a little. Right. And the other thing is, supposedly, you know, according to them, the series, they always downplay the Mets series. Right. And the and the the running line is that the Yankees can't win in this situation because of when they play the Mets because they're expected to win, and so if they don't win, it's a disaster. And if they do win, they're expected to. So right. they're in a no-win situation, which is nonsense. Um, to me, sorry, it's nonsense. It is. Uh, and 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 every, I I do think a lot of those guys on the team take it very seriously and have more juice to it. And, you know, I, I know Robinson Cano, you know, does this for just about every home run he hits. Gosh, I really just don't like the way. I, I know he's a wonderful hitter, Brian. I just do not like the way he plays the game. I oh. couldn't agree more. Oh, it's difficult to watch. It really is difficult to watch. Well, the way the, the way that he fields, he, oh, probably, you know, he, made, he made an error on one of the plays, but... Just the drama... When there's a line drive, hit at him. It just like, you know, like it was gonna take his hand off if he didn't make a move on it, and he takes 17 extra steps into right field. Because look at me, I caught it. There's a great line in Glengarry Glen Ross where he says, "Here's a piece of gum. Let me show you how to chew it. I'm such a big man." And that's that's Robinson Cano fielding a line drive. Oh my God! Look at what I've done. Look, did you see that line drive hit at me? Holy cow. He's blessed with ridiculous baseball skills, but he just, he doesn't, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm old man here. I I don't feel like he respects the game. I don't think it's old man. I know plenty of Yankee fans that hate it. Dr. Dr. Ray Stat being chief among them, who, and I respect his talent. I, 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 we've argued this on the show, and I will argue it again. To me, he's a top five hitter in baseball. He, he very well could be top five hitter in baseball, and has been, and has been over the last few years. Okay, but oh, I just can't take it. I can't take it. Makes a nice play on like a short hop going up the middle with the backhand, and then does the flip throw. Yeah. And and it's like, look at what I did. I love me. Who do you love? Well, but you know, you know, it doesn't help that the broadcasters fall all over themselves to praise him too. Yeah. No, I know. Not just the Yankee broadcasters, the national no. broadcasters. Absolutely. Which don't get me started on the atrocity of the national broadcast. Oof. Oh, that's that's a whole other podcast. I turned. I. You know. You, you had some weekend. You had them on Fox on Saturday night with McCarver and Joe Buck. And let's be honest. Well, I'm going to take that back. I'm sorry I just said let's be honest, Bri. Can we can we bleep that out? Yeah, we'll fix that. I'm sorry. We are going to talk about WFAN, though, in a, in a couple of minutes. And let's be honest. Everybody says that on WFAN. So, right. um, No, but seriously, those two guys, Buck and McCarver, look, it's human nature to complain about the announcers on a national broadcast for every team, every fan. Every fan thinks that McCarver and Buck are against them. 
But if you're a Yankee or a Met fan, you're getting killed by McCarver and Buck. Well, you well you know that McCarver is against them because he's got an axe to grind after 15 years. Yes. With the way that that they they dismissed him. And and he's a cardinal. And he's a cardinal. And he'll always be a cardinal. But he was he was an excellent Met broadcaster. Fantastic. Back in, back in the 80s and 90s, he was terrific. The Mets made his career. He was terrific, and the Mets and made his career. The, the Cardinals didn't give him a job. The Mets did. Right. But they, I mean, they hate the Yankees too, though. Buck hates the Yankees. Oh yeah, no, he definitely does. And then, and then throw in the fact that Charlie Sheen was in the booth for an inning. I say I, I turned it off. Turn off the sound. I just I put music on or something. I turn off the sound. I can't do it. I can't do it. And little did everyone know, Todd Zeal was also in the booth, but he couldn't get a word in edgewise. No. He was, you know. I like Todd Zeal. Todd Zeal's good. And Todd Zeal defended the honor of Shea Stadium because yeah. Tim McCarver, you know. Un- unsolicited called it a dump. Yes, and also brought up. I did hear him bring up Timo Perez. Timo Perez, right? Yeah, and then I, and Zeal shot him down on both occasions. Yeah, Zeal was like, "Oh, only in New York, <laughs> and you're the only guy who brings that up." Thanks. Thanks, guy. Um, but and then on Sunday you get the the ESPN crew. I mean, gee, now look, they were throwing bouquets at Dickie too. They, they were. were, of course. What's right is right. I mean, they were throwing bouquets at R.A. Dickey as well. But the minute the tide turns, here's what kills me nationally for the Mets, right, with the national guys. It's this season in particular. It's the unexpected, the shocking, how long can they keep it up? They can't possibly do it. Like at every twist, like every opportunity they get, they have to bring up the fact that the team is supposed to suck. Like, okay, we got it. We got it. First of all, who do you think is watching this game? I mean, do you think you have a huge national audience here? I mean, come on. Do you think on Sunday night a lot of people in Kansas City are tuning into this ball game between the Mets and the Yankees? These people hate New York. Okay, most of the rest of the country hates New York. <clears throat> there it is again. Try to get one in every week. I don't remember. Because you're right. Because you're right. What really sells, again, when we pitched S and Y, it's going to be great. We were hoping you could cough more <laughs> and clear your throat because it's very professional. When you were a kid or younger growing up, do you do you remember... <laughs> One foot in the grave over here. Not on. Do you remember the national... Hold on, let me get my walker. Oh, all right. But you're not going to complain about it. But I. But you know me. I can't complain. Haven't had a sol- solid bowel movement in a week. But you know me. I can't complain. I don't remember the national broadcasters being this unprepared for a game. You know, they'd come into a game, and, and it, would, it would be like they'd research the two teams they're going to do on Saturday, whether you know, it was Vince Scully and Garagiola or whoever right. it was, and they would, they would, they would sound relevant. These yep. national broadcasters sound completely irrelevant. It's as if you're watching, the, like, a, a, a video game, and they paste in just the, the stock phrases. Right. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's frustrating. They, right. they, 
they couldn't get. I mean, McCarver couldn't get Neuenheis's name right if if no. you spelled it out for him. And it's not endearing that he's messing it up. No, it's not a malaprop like with Ralph Kiner. Right. That's right. And and you you said the magic words. You had Vin Scully and Joe Garagiola. But even when you had Costas doing it. But has Bob Costas ever been unprepared for anything? No. I mean, if there is one steady aspect of Bob Costas' sports broadcasting career, there's one word that every EP that he's ever worked with would use. It's prepared. (laughs) This is a guy who's done the Olympics and had to pronounce like a loser's name from, you know, Czechoslovakia. He's, you know, Costas, those guys, but they're, you know, McCarver, he'll throw his hat out there. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. He's, he's Tim McCarver. He's, he's, he's training on his name. And then the, and then the best, and, and, and uh, Matthew Callan tweeted this too, who's, who's fantastic. Yeah. But the best was when <laughs> McCarver was talking about the parks, dimensions changing. Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Newenheis hit a home run. Not Newenheis. Um, yeah, Newenheis on Saturday night. Yeah. Newenheis hit a hit a home run down the left field line. Right. And and McCarver claimed that last year the dimensions of the park that would have been a foul ball. <laughs> the home run would have been a foul ball. Not that it would have been in play. Right. It would, it would actually would have been a foul ball. <laughs> That's not, that's not even remotely accurate. He was, and, and he was so adamant about it, too. Oh, of course he was. Oh, yeah. of course. Uh, so on the Mets real quick, and then let's go to WFAN. Uh, yeah, I don't want to do too much on the Mets here. Well, you, you were about to... I just want to say this. They're playing right now. Right. I keep seeing by your face that things are happening because you're things, watching the game. Um, well, I'm, I'm just following it. Things are happening. Okay. You want to know what's happening? I'm not sure I do. I'm uh, going to go watch the game after this. All right, so then I won't tell you. Thank you. But um, well done. Well played. <laughs> I, had to, I had to feel that situation out. I didn't right. know what we've, we've, had had the, we've had the DVR conversation. Right. Um, but uh, you were about to jump off the uh, – you were done. Done with the team. And you are done with the team. You're not letting yourself get – Look, they lost four in a row. They lost two games to a terrible Cubs team. The first game I can excuse, the second game I can't. They lost two games to the Yankees that they could have won easily. Could have won. Um, they won a game they could have lost. Um, but then the minute – this is what I love about this team this year. The minute you are ready to like really like be pissed off and let them go, and stop watching them. They put a 17 spot up. <laughs> they hit for the home run cycle. A guy who hasn't hit a home run in a calendar year hits one in consecutive at bats. Literally, when you text me in the morning, Murphy's got to get going. This is ridiculous. I'm done with this team. I'm not getting my hopes up anymore. I'm finished. They do it to me every time. They sucker me in. Murphy's got to get going. He's just one example. Ike is a joke, blah, blah, blah. So what do you have to say for yourself? Well, that was that was Tuesday night. Tuesday night, I was I was so bitter about everything 
I was so mad, and I just, I, you know, I wrote them off. Who, who, who are they? They, they, they fooled me. You know, I, I got suckered in by this team, and I, and I was so, I took it so personally. And I slapped on it, and I realized that I <laughs> put things in perspective a little bit. It's a baseball team, you know. It's not, you know, these are not my yeah. kids that, no. that have turned on me. Um, Yet. Which I'm sure is, is imminent. Imminent, yes. So when I woke up on Wednesday morning, I had softened a little bit, but I did I I did rationalize the whole situation, and what I've come to the conclusion is that they're not a good team. They're 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 a flawed team. But we knew that, Brian. We we knew that, and I got caught up in all of the hoopla with this team. If you look at their records around this time of year for the last like five or six years, it's like nearly identical. They're always like three or four games at over 500 at this point. And the difference this year is that you have a no-hitter on the docket. You've got R.A. Dickey doing what he's doing. You've got kids that it's, – it's a likable team of kids that are, that are new and, and trying to find their way. The bottom line is it's the same record as it's been the last five years. Now, it's a little different because the division is not as tough. I mean, it's not, not that it's not as tough, but, but, the, but it's more even – rather than one team being dominant. And they're flawed. They're going to make mistakes. And I don't think, as presently constituted, they're going to be able to make a run. Now, it flies in the face of everything I said just a week ago (laughs) when I said I believe they can make a run deep into the season. Rack it. Rack it up. But I I just... I have a plan I do not have yet. (laughs) I'm not. I just. I don't want. I don't want to get suckered in again. It, it, I don't. I don't want to have bad feelings about this team because, I because my expectations got a little higher than they should have been. I okay. want to be able to enjoy this team, and I'm going to try to temper my expectations now. And I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but if they can finish 500, I think it'll be a successful season. Can I just? Okay, let me just add one thing here. We've talked about this a ton, right? The idea that they are a young team, they're learning on the job, but they have potentially excellent starting pitching. Their bullpen is clearly flawed, and their defense is clearly flawed. By any measurable, they are maybe one of the worst defensive teams the Mets have ever put out on the field. (laughs) And that's saying something. Okay, but... This is a team that had Todd Hundley play left field. That's correct. This This is a team that started with Howard Johnson in center field. Okay, this this is Juan Samuel we're talking about. Moving from, Kingman played first base. <laughs> moving from second base to center field. To center field. Keith Miller. I, I'll go on if you'd like. They moved Mike Piazza to first base without telling him. <laughs> okay, this is a flawed, uh, often flawed defensive team. Again, by any measurable, they're a terrible defensive team, and it's going to cost them games. We've seen that. However... That being said, when you're as reliant as they've been on two out-base hits and clutch hitting and having great at-bats, there are going to come times where you can't score runs. And they've run into a streak like that. But they got through that dreaded gauntlet of 25 games at 12 and 13. Okay? Everybody said if they could just get through that, at even 11 and 14, 10 and 15 people would have signed for. 
to have this season just not go completely off the rails, they'd be fine. Well, they did better than that. They did 12 and 13. They could have gone 13 and 12. They had a couple of games at the bullpen blow, it blew, et cetera, et cetera. Now, coming out of that, they faced the Cub team that they should have shellacked, and they didn't. They dropped two out of three. Okay, and now they have four against the Dodgers. They have three against the Phillies, and then what? Three against the Dodgers again? Uh, against the Cubs again. Against the Cubs, and then they go into the break? And then they go into the break. Right. So it's ten more games before the break. Ten games before the break, okay? I understand that the records have been the same the last few years. Even 09. 09, they may have even had a better record at this point. They did. Okay, I understand that. This team is different to me for a number of reasons. That the deadwood, a lot of the deadwood is out of there. You have young kids learning on the job. You have help on the way. And contrary to other seasons, you knew last year that they were going to be a seller. Okay, the Phillies were already 15 games up on them when they were five games over 500. Okay, nobody's done that. There's a, if, you stay, if they stay within the race, the Madoff case has been settled. There's going to be money to spend, Bri. They actually can add to this year's budget. They can add to this team. They can address some of the flaws that they have. And then another huge key to this is Ike Davis. Huge key to this team over the next 90 games. You know, or 88 games, whatever they have left. Because if he is a viable everyday bat in the second half, that becomes an entirely different lineup. If you don't have to hit, sit Ike Davis for every lefty and completely alter your lineup for every lefty and have to get Turner in and have to sit Murphy and have to sit, you know, it's it's a huge difference in that lineup, right? Because they need another, just another viable bat on a daily basis. And to me, there's help on the way in the bullpen. I mean, there's potentially help on the way in the bullpen. So I'm not ready to give up and say this team can't compete for a wild card spot. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. And my favorite thing about the 17-1 to game is that Terry Collins challenged them. Outright challenged them. Said, look, I'll give you, I'll give you Monday night. You got in at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'll give you that. Okay? You just came off an emotional series with the Yankees. You're in Chicago. You don't even know what time it is. I'll give you that. But I'm not giving you Tuesday night inexcusable, unacceptable, answer the bell. And they put up 17 runs. I feel like you guys should uh, engage in a friendly wager. No, never bet on teams that I like. Although I made a bet on yet, uh, yesterday's Cubs game. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. True to your word. No, no, one of the guys in my – I never bet money. One of the guys in my office uh, is a huge Cubs fan, our buddy Craig. Chicago Craig, he's called in the show. Big Cubs fan, big uh, – Big Bears fan. And he was feeling, he was talking smack after taking the first two games of the series. So I said, you know, it was a day game. We were going to be at work. I said, uh, you uh, you care to make it interesting, Costanza style? <laughs> and he said, yeah, sure. So we have a running bet in our office. I've actually lost this bet for the Broncos and the Jets twice. Where you have to wear the jersey or T-shirt of the losing guy's choice for that team. So I was going to have to wear like a really bad Cubs t-shirt for the whole day at work. Now, uh, I won that bet. He will be wearing Teresa's very glittery Mets t-shirt 
at work tomorrow. No more sense really could have gone anywhere. Yeah. Um, what what should we wager, Peach? Well, gee, I don't know. Well, I mean, you gee, know, I don't know. Friendly, don't go don't go don't go nuts with it. Don't you know? Don't do what something do we, that's going to get you angry at each other. Well, gee, Phil, the man said he's sorry. I'm satisfied. I'm sorry, I'm quoting back to school. Well, let's think about it and come back with it for the next uh, next week. This could be a thing. I like it. This could be this could be a thing with a guy. One last thing in the Mets, Cal. We don't do uh, bits, by the way. What, right. One of our... Uh, sorry. Did I say bits? No, a thing. It's a thing. We don't do bits. We do things. We do things. Hey, one of your little sketches there. Guys, I'm feeling like the show is good, but I'm thinking also you might want to work in some bits, some things, a few sketches, maybe a nude girl. What do you think? <laughs> well, I love all the people we've made this SNY executive, by the way. <laughs> I made him Harvey Firestein, uh, some uh, Harvey Firestone? Firestein. Firestein. I've made him Harvey Firestein. Your show I'm is just up. Doing, I'm just doing people I work with. Right. <laughs> you, yeah, you're just doing well. It could be. Last thing on the Mets, and then we're going to FAN for the fun load. Uh, one of our listeners writes in, big Mets fan, uh, a relative of mine, Bob, really good guy, writes in, 5-26-64, Mets went to Wrigley Field and beat the, Cub nine, beat the Cubs 19-1, to which is, of course, close to yesterday's score. The only thing different from that game and yesterday's game was the sportscaster reported uh, the sportscaster reported the Mets scored 17 runs today and someone yelled out did they win? And the, here's why that's even funnier. So I just saw this now. He just put this up tonight on our Facebook page. And uh, and thank you for that Bob and thank you for listening. Um big Mets fan, great Mets fan Cal. He's down in uh, Nashville actually. Oh wow. Uh that 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 little contingent of my family that made it down to Nashville, um, they got out. I'm sure PJ, you have members of your family. They got out. Uh, Cal, you probably have Italian members of your family. Out. They got out. Um, they got out of the neighborhood. But um, somebody said this in my office yesterday as well, like completely independent of this. I said. Uh, Somebody was like, Mets win? I was like, yeah, they put up 17 runs. He's like, yeah, but did they win? That's funny. See, because the Mets are losers. They're you get losers. the comedy there? They're a loser franchise. Right. That's so funny. you always you always make fun of them. It's easy. It's a, it's your go-to joke. That's right. Guys, Only I feel like you're too bitter. You're bitter on the Mets, and I feel like <laughs> you should cheer up about it. You need to see your bright side to things. He's got a little 40s radio guy announcer in him, this executive from SNY. Only Mets. You're a little bitter. Sounds like you could cheer things up. Maybe he had a puppy. No, we can't. Not after this show. No, no, no. Scratch the puppy. No, scratch the puppy. Not after I witnessed that. You two and pets, not so much.
Five years ago, on July the 1st, 1987, that WFAN, the first of its kind, the first all-sports talk radio station, went live with the aforementioned Susan Waldman uh, being the first voice you heard on WFAN uh, here in New York. Uh, and those are some of the bumpers, the Mike and the Mad Dog radio program, uh, which we grew up with. Uh, Mike and the dog were on together for, what, 19 years or something like that? Um, it's 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 important for a couple of reasons. One of the ways I want to start here, Brian, is that we started doing this show because we wanted to be like a WFAN show, right? So we wanted to be a call-in show. Uh, you and I have been listening to WFAN since its inception, really. Uh, I remember because they had the Mets, so I was always listening to it uh, as a kid. Of course, it was WHN, uh, which was a country station here in New York that had the Mets on 1050. Right. And um, we started, I think, you know, trying to do our own Mike and the Dog. Now, obviously, it's evolved into more of a podcast now where we talk about killing our pets by accident mostly. Uh but I I'm I'm feeling nostalgic on the 25th and tomorrow is going to be a huge show on on Mike and the Dog. Well, I should say uh, Mike Dawn Francesca show. Chris Russo has of course moved on to bigger and well other things. But he'll be back. He'll be on the show tomorrow. He's going to be on tomorrow. Uh Francesca's going to be on with Boomer and Carton in the morning. That's never happened because they don't like each other. Um, it's a big 25th anniversary or 25th, you know, anniversary show. I'm feeling nostalgic, bro. I, 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 I fell asleep every night to WFAN for, yeah, me too. for years. Yep. Um, I remember listening to Steve Summers on the overnight. I remember calling Steve Summers on the overnight. I remember the only other job I ever wanted was to be on WFAN. Uh, other than, you know, being a catcher for the Mets or being uh, an Academy Award winning actor, because I obviously set my sights very low. And <laughs> and I've achieved none of that. <laughs> but uh, you're talking sports on a medium. Yes. No, we... Uh, yes, we, we've done what we set out to do, and that was to provide... Uh, or to provide ourselves with an outlet to talk sports every week. Um, how how twenty five years, Bry? A long time. <laughs> it's a really long time. I mean, we were thirteen years old when they came on the air. Um, here's one of my favorites. I give you. Let, let's do a couple favorites, okay? 
when I was at the University of Dayton, I had a uh, this Volkswagen Golf with a terrible radio. Terrible. Like, you could be driving through the studio in Astoria of WFAN, and I could not get it. Mm. But for some reason, on... Uh, Interstate or uh, high, what do you call it? Uh, Interstate seventy-five between Cincinnati and Dayton. I could get WFAN in the car at night or during the day. During the day. Wow. And it was inexplicable, inexplicable that I would be able to get it. But the Jets were on FAN for a long time. So on Sundays. <laughs> I would drive to that spot because this is before the NFL ticket. This is before, you know, bars or that kind of stuff. I would drive to that spot and listen to the jet game. On WFN, I would park on the side of the road and listen to the jet game in the car. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a million stories. WFAN has been completely woven into the fabric of my sporting life. Now you go. I, I'm, I mean, I, like you said, I list, listen to it every night because you'd listen to the ball game on the Walkman. You know, they had the the Mets. The Mets game was always on at night. You'd listen to it. You'd listen to Howie Rose did Mets Extra at the time. You know, Howie is before Howie Rose was doing TV. Howie Rose did Mets Extra. Mets Extra was also a call-in show. Well, there's a lot of people that were talking about how Mets Extra was sort of a uh, because he used to do that on WHN after right. the show right. or after the game, and how that you know sort of was one of the ideas that a sports call-in show could work. You know, one of the models that a that a sports call-in talk show could work twenty-four hours a day. Right. Uh, obviously, you know, somebody called in too and said this, and I never really thought about it, but they were trading in on the popularity of the Met, of the Mets too. At the, the time, Mets. sure. Mets coming off the 86 World Series. That 87 team was, you know, 192 games. Um, was a great team. The Mets coming out were wildly pop- were the most popular team in New York, sports team in New York. And they had them. They were the flagship station for the Mets, so they sort of were trading in on that. Did you start listening to the overnight when you were real young? Because I did. Yeah, I, I might have been – I was definitely in high school. I yeah. listened to the overnight. I also I remember Jody McDonald being on the overnights on the weekend. Jody Mack, do me a favor. Yeah, I used to listen to him on the more more so on the more so on the weekends than during the week when it was a school night. Yeah. But uh but in the summer, my goodness, I mean I I my mowing the lawn. I was mm-hmm. I wasn't you know, kids were listening to music at the time. They have their cassette player Walkman and you'd listen to you'd make a mixtape of 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 the you know of all the the music of the time and I was listening to WFAN, yep. you know I was listening I was listening to uh, Dave Sims in the afternoon. Yep, I remember listening to Salzburg. I remember listening to uh, uh, Bob Costas. You know, had a show for ten minutes, and uh, I mean. Lupica had a show. Lupica had a show. That's right. I remember that. Len Berman. Remember Len Berman? Yep. Absolutely. Len Berman. I remember him having a show. I, and then, of course, Mike and the Dog. I mean, Mike and the Mad Dog in the afternoon was... I remember when Russo first came on. Um, 
and and they were first on and and you know the I and then of course Imus in the morning. I listened to Imus for a long time too. I never listened to Imus. See the th- the thing about Imus was my parents had listened to him when he was on WNBC. Right. Okay. So when he was on the fan, it was just it just became a natural thing. I just started listening to him in the morning because I'd listened to him my whole life. You know, my parents had always listened to him, so that was like a natural. I mean, there, there were. There were years where the WFAN was on all day for me, all day. Oh yeah, all day. Every I'd come you home know. from school. Yeah, come home from school. My father had it on. Yep, my, Mike and the Mad Dog every day from coming home from school. Yep, and and I think I got into Mike and the. Ma- I was like on the the secondary shows. Like I was big with you know with Summers on the overnight I, or Jody Mack on the weekends. Uh, or, uh, you know, then when Beningo took over on the overnights, uh, and, you know, Joe Beningo was great on the overnights. He was great. You know, he's become a, a caricature of, of the Jet Met put upon fan. And that's a whole nother, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that, on where WFAN is now. Right. You know, and what has become of sports talk radio now. But maybe, maybe we should. Yeah. No, I, you know what? You could do it. You know, but Mike and the dog, and they they broke stuff, and they did interviews. Like they they made WFAN made the format. They made the format that when you went to another, I, I lived in a bunch of other cities. Everyone had one. And then of course ESPN Radio came along, but it wasn't the same. Right. You know, I I think that's one of the reasons ESPN Radio has never been able to even put a dent in WFAN's hold in New York. Because it's it's you're trying to you're trying to 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 recreate the original. Well, it's also it's heritage. You you grew up like you know, our our demographic is is like the target demographic and we grew up listening to this radio station. We're never going to not listen to it. No, that's you, true. You you would have to be completely ridiculously off the charts better than what WFAN is putting out there, you know, for us to even consider switching over. So so ESPN has, has a real obstacle in their way of ever becoming number one here in New York only because FAN has been here, and that's what everybody grew up on. Yeah, and, and for all the abuse we've given Mike Francesa <laughs> over the two and a half years that we've done this show, and, and, and a big part of what I feel like our show has become, Bry, is we talk about the media. I mean, we talk about sports. We talk about New York sports. We talk about the teams. And we could talk about what's going on on the field with anyone, I feel like. But we, you know, we talk about the media because that's a big part of our lives. How our teams are covered are almost as important as what's actually going on in the field. Right. And so I'll never forget PJ. (laughs) PJ and I working on the studio, right, out in uh, in Freehold where PJ is. And we built the studio. And I went out there to help him work on it. And we were working all day. And WFAN is white noise to me. It's the only thing I can listen to at work and work. It's mm-hmm. white noise. I can't listen to music. But you still hear you, but you know what everybody's saying. Oh, I, I hear what's going on. It's just... It, it's it's white noise that I can pay attention to and actually work. Yeah. And so I put it on while we were working on the studio. 
and PJ and uh, we were I think we were working with our buddy RJ too who were you know both non sports guys and like they were like how do you listen to this <laughs> I said I know it's ridiculous I mean this is this is you know going back like maybe five six years and I'm like I know it's ridiculous but I love it I can't get it I I just love it it's it's the ultimate background noise to me. Now, let me ask you a question. 25 years of FAN, do you have – give me like two two great moments. Oh, boy. Two great moments. Or two – your faves. Just just give me two memories. Things that stand out. Well, the one that totally stands out is when uh, Kevin McReynolds' wife, Jackie, called the fan. <laughs> Called, I think she, I think she called Francesca and Russo. I thought it was like Salzburg. Was it? I don't remember. I don't know. You might be right. Whoever it was, though, she, you know, she called. It was, it was just a call. Now she called up as Jackie from wherever, and like nobody knew who she was when she made the call. Right. And it was basically, uh, I, you know, leave Kevin McReynolds alone. He's my husband. <laughs> uh, you guys are too hard on him. Now remember. Nobody would do that now because that's what WFAN is. But this was back in the late 80s. Right. Might have even been like 1990. And it was still a brand new format. So yep. people were not used to hearing this. You know, yep. it, it was it was it was striking. So that was one of that was one of the first. That's great. That was one of the first memories that I have. And then uh, and and then more recently. Again, we kill Francesa all the time, mm-hmm. but it, he, in serious moments, he's usually pretty good. And I'm not, I'm not talking about serious, like, I mean, world events, too, he's, he's okay. But the, the moment when, uh, when Chris Russo left the show. Yes. And he had Russo, Chris, Russo called in yep. and spent an hour on the phone with him. It was a Friday afternoon. It was the last day. Yep. And uh, and he did an hour on the phone with him, and and it was just it was fantastic radio. And it all that all happened. They had been together for like what nineteen years or something like that, or eighteen years or something. Thank and you. and it all happened within like twenty four hours. Like I don't even think Francesa knew it was going to happen. Well, he did. He knew because and and. Just with all of the nostalgia, I went back and I listened to it. Right. I was able to find it and I listened to it. And, and he knew because – and he, he even says uh, – Russo even said him and Mike talked about it like on Tuesday night. Right. No, and but I'm happened. saying it, was, it wasn't like it was in the works for weeks. Well, the two of them had been off. You know, one was on, one right. was off, right, one was right, on, right. one was off. There was this talk of a feud. Neil Best of Newsday broke the story that they had done their last show together and both of them refuted it. Separately, right. um, and then they came back and did a couple of shows together. But uh, but just just the radio, just to listen to just to the emotion yep. of of. Frank I remember. Tessa. I remember. I was I was living on uh, Lama Street, and I was listening to it all day. I I even called. I called Dan. I called Rich. Yeah. I was like, "Can you believe this?" Yeah, it was it was just it was just unbelievable. And then Chris Russo's father calls in Tony Russo. Right, and he he's always, crying. Right, he had always called the show. He says, "You think I could? You think I could call you in the future? Talk about the Yankees? You think that'd be okay?" Yep. <laughs> well, because he always used to talk about the Yankees with Francesca. I know. 
I know. And but because Russo is a giant fan. But it was great. I mean, just you yep. know, Francesca let his guard down for once. That's a great call. And those those are the two moments that stand out in my head. Yeah. How about you? I, I had uh, I had the one with uh, when I called up Summers. Uh, I think I want to say it was '93. Uh, when the Islanders were making that unexpected unexpected run in the playoffs, um, you know that summer or whatever, and then they eventually lost to the Canadians in the uh, in the conference finals. But they were making that unexpected run, and I called up Summers like maybe five or six nights in a row, or like over the course of the playoffs, and uh, got to you know like became his Icelanders guy. You know Steve from Comac, and and he that was like I I actually I've been on the fan maybe twenty times, you know I've really? called up shows yeah probably about twenty times. Wow. Because I was on I was on with Summers probably like ten times, and then I was on with Beningo probably five times. Huh. Never been on Mike and the Mad Dog. Never been on. We gotta wait so long on hold. Right. I've been on Boomer and Carton. I was on Boomer and Carton once. Oh yeah. Talking about the Islanders <laughs> seems, to, seems to be like, well, because you know what's going on, right? So I can talk Islanders, but anyway, I had called up a bunch of times in a row, and he like started to respect what I was saying. Uh huh. And after like the third time, he was like, "You know what, Steve from Comac, you're going to be our Islanders guy for the playoffs. How's that?" I was like, you got it, Steve. I'll give you a call every night. You know, what are we talking here? The Eddie Scazzeri? Of course I'll call. What are we talking? Eddie Johnstone? What are we talking? What, what, what do we know from? Uh, so that's a that's a great memory. And then I, I got to play this. I got to play this. I would be remiss if I didn't play this. Because this, I, I if I'm not mistaken, I was listening to this show live. In fact, I'm pretty sure I was listening to this show when it happened. So let's hold on, Cal. <laughs> Would you go see Daredevil? Which one is that now? That's Ben Affleck's new movie about the guy who's a blind crime fighter who turns into Daredevil. True story? No, it's a fiction. It's a whole fiction. Ah, uh, try. You know what? I, I would not do my first try. True story. You're supposed to be that again. <laughs> That's got to be a top five moment anywhere. And, of course, I was playing it from Boomer and Carton, who you should look up that clip, Cal. Oh, I I remember listening to that live when Boomer and Carton did that. Because it's like a 10-minute clip, and they're laughing so hard, like it sounds like they're not going to come out of it. Yeah. Because they also play the clip where he says uh, there was a guy named (laughs) Johann Sebastian Bach. They made a movie about him. It's called Amadeus. <laughs> He's being completely serious, Russo. Completely serious. Uh, the thing about Russo, which and and so many people didn't like Russo because of that stuff, and I that loved was, him. That, and that's, that's why I, I him. that's why I loved him because he oh. was just he was so entertaining, and you couldn't take him seriously when he was ranting about something. You just laughed. I remember it wasn't Pac- that you got angry. Pac-Man, right, the Pac-Man Jones rant. Yep. There's the great rant about R.A. Dickey beating the Yankees back when he was with Seattle. 
uh, where he said R.A. He said the name R.A. Dickey like sixty-five times. R.A. Dickey. Beat the Yankees. <laughs> or maybe he beat the Giants or something. But um, you know they were they were magnificent together. They really were. They were great radio every day because they balanced each other perfectly. Yep. They you know Russo never uh, Russo never let Francesa run to the places that he's run to now. These antagonistic places, you know, Russo never let him go against, you know, never let him take the Yankee stuff or his like of teams or his agenda. He would never let him take them too far and vice versa. Right. You know, and uh, they should get back together because there are days when Francesa is unlistenable. He really yeah, is. And, 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 shame. and Russo has become irrelevant. Right. And you know. The two of them back together would be. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it will. You think it'll ever happen, Steve? You think they'll ever get back together? You know what? I. I don't know if it's imminent. I could see it though. The way that satellite radio has gone. And, also, you know, Francesa doesn't need him back. And I think Russo needs, needs to come back here. Francesa doesn't need him back. Well. It's, He's still number one. He, but, but he he needs him. Well, you're right. Not for the, ratings, he doesn't need him. But for the show, he does. But the, for the show, he does. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule out. No, I wouldn't rule it out. Although I think at this point, Francesca's become so accustomed to doing the show by himself. And yeah, it might be tough. And he's such an egomaniac that. You know, like he's so sort of egomaniacal that I don't know if he'd take him back. You know, because I I feel like if if Francesca was going to have a partner, he would have had one by now. Well, yeah. You know, they would have made him. Yep, but they would have made they would have made him if he needed one, Cal. They would have made him have a partner by now. You know, I I don't know, but anyway. 25 years. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's amazing. And and, and they're really going to do some cool stuff over the weekend, bringing back some old hosts. And, and yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, don't, I got, you know, I got nothing to do this weekend. I'll be, I'll have the, the earphones strapped on pretty much all day while I'm working around yeah. the house. And it'll just be, it'll, it'll be nostalgic for me too. Like you were saying, it's for like old times, just F-A-N in my ear and, and just going about my business. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, like I said, I I, they, I fell asleep to them for and up until I met Teresa, and then uh, I was not allowed to because she can't she can't sleep with like a TV or a radio on. Yeah, it was really hard. It was like it was like a six month adjustment period. <laughs> I, I've been listening to WFAN every night when I went to sleep since I was like fifteen years old. Uh-huh. You know, well, let's play one more of these, Cal. Yeah. 
play those again. First of all, that's one of the worst, best theme songs ever. It's awful. Second of all, so much of this stuff is completely like just triggers for me. Just oh. Pavlovian. You know what I mean? Because we heard it so there's there's commercials, there's Mike and the Mad Dog, there's bumpers, there's little drops and stuff that you just say that I will remember them for the rest. I can sing along with them, you know. You can too, you know. Twenty twenty sports. Like any of these little bumpers and, and drops and stuff, like we know by heart. Yep. By heart. I it's just uh Happy birthday, F A N. We we need to do that podcast. By the way, PJ, did you wanna did you wanna add anything here, PJ? By the way, PJ. I'm sorry, PJ. what? I was sleeping. <laughs> twenty five yeah, years ago twenty five years ago. Um, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Let's wrap it up, Peach. I don't like you. Twenty five years ago I was in line waiting to see Full Metal Jacket. And I didn't know what sports talk radio was. And I still don't. <laughs> I hate you. I love you. PJ, final unload? Yeah. <laughs> Two things, quickly. Underdogs. I don't know if you know, but uh, Nadal lost to like oh, the 100-seated like player. At Wimbledon? This, yeah, this completely obscure guy, this, this, uh, I think he's Czech, his name is Lucas Rosal. Oh, boy. In a stunning upset. Yeah, apparently, Nadal was, like, stumbling all over the court. So, wow. You know. Drunk? Underdog. Really cool. And and, and the other thing, uh, um, Ann Curry gave a, yes. gave a tearful goodbye to the Today Show. And I, I just want Ann Curry to... To, to know this. People don't take Al Roker seriously as a journalist. People don't even take Matt Lauer seriously as a journalist. But when you say the name Ann Curry, people usually say, is she Asian? Cherokee? I don't know. She's like a mix. So she has that. Okay. Follow that. Uh, next week, I want, uh, Steve, your take on the fact that the New York Islanders were poised to trade their entire draft, <laughs> all seven picks in the 2012 draft, for one number two draft pick. Next week, I want your take. Yes, all for Ryan Murray, yes. Uh, no number problem. two pick, not the number one pick in the draft, the number two pick in the draft. Right. Uh, and my final unload is uh, happy July 4th to everybody. July 4th is next Wednesday. It falls in the middle of the week, so everybody have a safe 4th of July. Watch some baseball. Okay? That's what 4th of July is all about. Also independence. But uh, baseball. More with the baseball. Yes, Cal. Oh, I got a bo- I got a bonus one, and I you know I'm contractually obligated for this. Happy 13th wedding anniversary to my wife Allison. Oh boy! On you Monday, know. July you 2nd. You want to get that one in? Yes. 13 years. Happy anniversary, brother. 13 years. Thank yes. you. Yes. And uh, I I think we're gonna break this this one up into two. What do you think? That sounds like a good idea. I can do that. 
All right. Uh, for PJ and for Brian Calvi, I'm Steve Sanpietro. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on July the 5th. Goodbye, everybody. Happy birthday, FAN. <laughs>